0: Hey y'all, my name is Nate, and welcome to the Falling Tide podcast. Falling Tide is proudly sponsored by Gun Talk. Gun Talk is a local Louisiana firearm and ammunition dealer with over 15 nationwide distributors. Need a new gun? Don't buy from the big box store. Shop local and get the best customer service in the business. Gun Talk will also buy your used gun from you or trade with you for something else. They also provide background checks for personal sales, and they'll even clean your gun for you and do some minor gunsmith work. Gun Talk is truly a one-stop shop for all of your firearm needs. You can browse the online store, and if what you're looking for isn't there, you can always contact the owner, Mikey, directly by going to www.GunTalkStore.com, and chances are he can get you what you need. Before you make any purchase, contact them and tell them that falling tide sent you and enjoy some discounts again that's www.guntalkstore.com all right you guys uh welcome back to the falling tide podcast i know it's been a while we're i guess we're kind of starting season two i kind of got away from the podcast as the uh Summertime went on, but you know, we're about to get into teal season here. It's it's late August right now, and about two weeks away from teal season. So I got my buddy Eric Punch here with me, a long-time buddy of mine. I actually had the privilege of taking him on his very first duck hunt about, I don't know, maybe 10 years back or something like that, and uh, he's been addicted to waterfowl hunting ever since, and uh, it's an honor to have you here, buddy, and I appreciate you for joining me. Oh, man, I'm I'm more than... Happy to be on this. Yeah, man, I think it's been a long time coming. We talked about doing this for a while, but uh, never really never really done it, and uh, I'm excited for it. How you been doing, buddy? I've been good, man. Just uh, winding
1: down, a lot of work, um, and kind of getting ready for teal season, you know? You're
0: going to be hunting Venice, mostly?
1: Venice and a uh,
0: couple of local spots. Mm-hmm. Don't want to... We won't talk or. about the local Don't spots, want to but. talk about the local spots. <laughs> I think the opener, you're going to be in Venice, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's usually where you hunt for Venice? I mean, usually you hunt for opening morning in a teal? Venice? Yeah. The last couple
1: seasons, Venice, well, not last year because of the hurricane kind of put a halt. They wouldn't let nobody down there, but um, yeah, Venice are about the last three years, except yeah. for last year.
0: And for anybody that's listening who doesn't know where Venice is, it's the uh where the mississippi river spills out into the gulf of mexico all the way at the end so that's where venice is in venice louisiana it's a wild ride jack (laughs) uh yeah uh i mean maybe talk about venice a little bit like what's it what's it like hunting a river system like that and we're talking about like the the biggest river in the united states i mean is it how is it you know going down that river and, and hunting like that is it it's is it in- something that makes you nervous or is it It's
1: intimidating.
0: Yeah. It's uh it's terrifying
1: at times. Um it it takes a lot of it matures you as a boater, for sure, because you gotta really pay attention to like growing up local hunting, you know, when I first got into it on my own boat and stuff. So. Didn't really pay attention to like Leeward winds and stuff like that, so riding the leeward banks and stuff that's all stuff you have to learn. Like, you gotta becoming a Venice hunter because I wasn't a Venice hunter, but I go where ducks are, and you know, you gotta learn, you really gotta pay attention to your uh, property lines and stuff, and Onyx and all that stuff. It's just not all the time completely right, and then you know, you gotta. You gotta learn the fog. there's days I have showed up at the boat launch at two thirty in the morning and don't leave till ten because that fog is treacherous and it is it's not the fog, it's the ships you don't see and you know most people in mud boats don't really have sonar and uh I attempted it once and had a crew boat pop up off my bow about forty yards and uh mm. yeah, it puckered me yeah that, I mean. Those crew boats, I mean, they run, you know,
0: 40 miles an hour.
1: Thankfully, you know? he had sonar and he seen me and was already slowed down. I got you. Yeah. But uh, they gave me some uh, nice words. I'm of sure wisdom. they did, yeah.
0: <laughs> but I mean, that's the kind of stuff you need, you know. Uh, I mean, you know, most of my friends, and including myself, we don't. We don't make a lot of money, man. We're just normal working class people go hunting. We don't have the money necessarily to have all the safety equipment that you probably should have. Right. And so we use what we have and, and you know, sometimes it can get us in trouble because we don't exactly have all the equipment and stuff like that. It's, if you can possibly afford to have sonar, you probably should have it. Oh, 100%. Like, if yeah. I could,
1: I would. Yeah, it's just, it's just out of my budget. I got yeah. a GPS now. It looks like a TV screen, but <laughs> I had to save up a lot of money to yeah. get that, and that
0: that in itself is a big, like, big deal. Like, well, well, that's what you do, and I think it's interesting. You do summer scouting a lot of times for ducks, and you're not necessarily looking for ducks,
1: Correct. but you look
0: for food sources. And you 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 also map all your nav, you keying know, you... in on
1: the food sources.
0: So, let's
1: say, you know, I think it was two three weeks ago, I went. When do some scouting. And, and this is for
0: big duck, not necessarily for teal. This right? is for big duck, correct. Right. And this we're in for August. This is big duck.
1: We're in August. Yeah. And I'm doing my big duck scouting now. So right now in Venice is very, very unique in its fact of you can probably see stuff you'll never see in your lifetime. Right now in August, you'll see flocks of two, three hundred model ducks, which you're not going to see that many other places, especially not during duck season. That'll be non-existent. Right. but you can find what those model ducks—that's the smartest bird in our, you know, state. You can find what those birds are feeding on. You don't really pay attention to whistling ducks because they just eat whatever. But the model ducks—you can see what those model ducks are eating right now. You can guarantee that down the road, that's what the big ducks, when it's big duck season, will be keying in. Those so nice. snails, you know, your widgeon grasses, your coontails, albaquer lily, you yeah. know. Stuff like that, and uh, once you can kind of figure out that pattern, the teal will be eating it, and
0: you know so on and so forth. Yeah, I never looked at it that way. You know, model ducks—they—they they live here all year round. All they year stay round. Stay in Louisiana. They know every inch of our wetlands. Every inch. And they find the food sources before any other duck. Or any other one. Never thought about it that way, that you should look where the model ducks are because that's where your gadwall are going to be sitting come big duck season. That's
1: kind of like one of the tips I got from a local, but, hey, I mean. You absorb everything you can.
0: If, Water, if you're a waterfowl hunter and you're not a sponge, you probably yeah. need to re-evaluate, reevaluate the way you think. Yeah.
1: Because, I, yeah. I say it all the time, and then it's not, not to be cocky, and I don't kill more ducks than a lot of people, but there is a difference between a duck hunter and a duck killer. Yeah. Those duck killers have been people that have listened to every little thing being told from generation to generation, taking tips 24 seven. If you're not able to like, for instance, you with the, the gray duck call, how you do your gray duck call. I've killed ducks using regular duck
0: commander gray duck call, but yeah. that sounds so much more realistic. Yeah, we should probably talk about that grab my great call right there yeah let's see well i call it a great call it's really a duck commander mallard drake call so i'm gonna put you all on to something everybody who's listening right now this is something that i've kind of kept to myself over the years but i actually use a duck commander uh, drake mallard call to call my gadwall because i don't think that there's any call on the market that actually sounds like a gadwall i know we have it made up in our head that a gadwall sounds like a, I don't know, kind of like a mallard quack, but it's kind of more of a monotone quack, but it's a quick quack. And, it, and you have all these, these gadwall calls out there that have that typical sound. And so I guess most people haven't made up in their mind that's how a gadwall sounds but that is not how a gadwall like sounds. Like you can hear a Haydell's gadwall call. It yeah.
1: does not sound like gray it duck. It doesn't
0: sound like a gray duck. It doesn't. And I've heard a lot of them in the wild, man. I've sat in that salt marsh and just laid back in a layout blind just listening to them. And they have whistles that they make. The the hen almost sounds like a like a blue wing almost. Yeah. Very very sped up short and quick. Yeah, it's like a dragged out it's like a dragged out first note and then quick after that. And then, yeah. Yeah. But uh, but a gadwall to me, and I hope this doesn't peek out on the microphone. But I'm gonna let y'all hear this. <whistles> that little whistle that I add in there, it really sounds gray ducky to me. Well, and, I
1: mean, it's fact. Male yeah.
0: ducks whistle. Yeah, they do. They, they, they does have. A, they have a whistle that they make that's mixed in there that you just can't get with a traditional gadwall call. So. Yeah, this is just a duck commander mallard drake call. That that one, the green one that looks like a like a big chamber on it. Uh, and I just do like a short kind of a sound into it. And I really only have two calls on my lanyard. I have a old DR85, and I have that mallard drake call on my lanyard. That's it. It's, That's the it's, only two I'm, calls that I have. I'm telling you, dude.
1: It's the small tips of people who are in the field every day that. If you pay attention to them and it, if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you, but it doesn't hurt to try. Right. That's what'll put you, it'll yeah. put
0: your success rate over the top. And either it will or it won't, but it doesn't hurt to it try. It doesn't hurt to try. No, I just, I don't know. I, I hear gadwall in the wild and I want to sound like a gadwall. I don't want to sound like a, like a gadwall call that a human being makes Correct. and tells me that that's what they sound like. No, I'm in the wild. I hear a gadwall and I know what a gadwall sounds like. I yeah. want to mimic that. Mm-hmm. Like Dale Bordelon does with his cane calls, he has hen mallards at his house, and he tries to sound like them. He doesn't care what all of these duck call makers out there are, are making their duck calls sound like. He he starts from the ground up and says, "I want to sound like that because that's the real thing." Right. And I think that's, you know, that's kind of what we need to do. And look, there's a lot of good duck calls out there. I'm not trying to trash any duck call company. Right. And, you know, sometimes. You know, having a a duck call that may not necessarily sound like a duck just because it may be a lot louder than a duck might be the better way to go in certain situations. It's no different than having an oversized decoy. Sometimes being dramatic helps you more Mm -hmm. than being subtle and natural. But I don't think anything down here at the end of the flyway beats sounding exactly like the duck. Yeah. You know, especially down here at the end of the flyway where ducks have seen everything along the way, you know.
1: It's true, man, especially on public lands and all that stuff. My brain is ticking 24-7 of how can I be different from the next guy? What can I do that can make a difference, that can change that? There's literally been days that second split, you know it. Yeah. Ducks don't want to hear a duck I about call. I say, you
0: might as well leave these at home, dude.
1: <laughs> Either don't blow a call at all or great a call something simple or a widgeon whistle hi
0: there it is i literally was i hate to to even say that because it's kind of a little (laughs) secret around here but you (laughs) know a little widgeon whistle works really good for gabble man i don't know what it is about it but they like it. they love it they love it man yeah dude um it's amazing to see your growth over the years like to hear your just duck mindset (laughs) is amazing to me man because like i remember when i first met you and i remember we were in class together you were just—I like, mean—you were just die-hard deer hunter, man. You are oh. killing some bucks now too. I'm not gonna—you've always been a killer. Like, I can't when deny I was it. Bow hunting brain. You've always been a killer, and most of the time, the <clears> old saying—you know—killers kill, man. And once you got your feet wet with duck hunting, I remember the first time me and you went duck hunting together. You were supposed to be filming the duck hunt, and you did. You filmed the duck hunt. This was this was years ago, man, when we were first starting in this whole you know, content creating world that we're in now. Yeah. And I remember you were working the camera all morning and me and my brother killed our lemon of teal. And I was like, man, you want to hold the gun, bro? You want to, you know, and you were like, man, I want to shoot one of these teal. You you thought it looked like something that you might like. And man, that first flock came over and you busted that one. I remember it's kind of, I guess it was kind of a sky bust. It was like a flock that came over the top of us. I remember that. Yeah, I'll never forget it. Your first duck, bang, It was shot either it you or your it. brother was like,
1: you sure you ain't have a duck on? it Yeah, before? I think it was like, Drew that said that, yeah. Yeah, it was Drew,
0: I think. And, uh, and you rolled that first duck, and after that, man, I just, I really feel like something switched in your head where you went from a big game hunter to a waterfowl hunter, and it was cool to see. It was in a matter of you, you You went from being my camera guy to, sorry, Nate, I can't hold a camera no more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then we
1: went the next day, me and you, and... Just me and you. And skull drug a Skull too. drug a two man limit like I've been doing this my whole life. Yeah, and
0: we, I remember uh, that was the first time I think you said you'd ever seen somebody put a mojo 10 foot in the air. But we were hunting over this marsh grass that was pretty tall. And That's I wanted to get. That pikey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was tall, man. And uh, we wanted to get their attention from a long ways away because we were just in a random pothole and there was a lot of blinds around. So it was like. We really didn't know where the teal were flying through at, and this was just something on the whim. I was just like, "All right, let's put this decoy, let's put this this mojo decoy way up high, and let's see what happens. See if we can get their attention across the marsh." And it worked, man. They they were sneaking up on us too because we didn't we didn't see the ducks coming. It was just like, "Oh my God, there just they like were!" In the face, there it is. Yeah, it was a tiny pothole in the middle of a broken up marsh, and they yeah. were just coming sit on top of our head. I remember it like it was yesterday, man. Yeah, and I, it's crazy too because like. We've had so many better duck hunts than that, you know, but it's just something about those early duck hunts in our waterfowl life that really, you know, uh, set the tone for where we are now. I I think everybody
1: who really gets into it, too, like, you're going to get to that point where it's either going to make you or break you. Duck hunting is very, very mental. Oh, I know. Like it'll drain you. I've had more bad duck hunts than I've had good duck hunts. Same. Same. And there's that point where it's either, I'm either going to push to get better. I mean, it's like, it's, it's like anything, honestly. It's like sports. You know, how many really good athletes have hit that point where they're like, my career could be over or I'm going to push through with this and I'm going to be better than I ever was. And... I think that's really what it takes, to be a public land hunter, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to get your lumps, especially early on, you know. Um, yeah. You know, public land hunting in Louisiana especially, because we have so many duck hunters. And then we have, I don't know, man. It's just, the, the mentality of some of these duck hunters is just beyond me. They have no problem setting up 60 yards away from you.
1: Much less setting up in your blind that took you two and a half hours to build. And <laughs> six boat loads that your buddy's sitting four foot out the top of the boat and stuff. Yeah. And people just...
0: Yeah, you know, I understand, is... totally understand that duck blinds on public land are community blinds. I totally Correct. get that. But me, as somebody who understands how much work that takes, I just don't have it in... Just, I just don't have it in me to go pull up in somebody else's blind, you know, early in the season. Yeah. Look, late season, if I ain't killing nothing, nothing, and I see a lot of ducks going by an empty blind, I don't have no problem going pulling that. Right. But opening day, to pull in a blind somebody else made, I just don't have it in me. I just I feel like such an asshole pulling in somebody's blind that I know they worked for hours.
1: Well, it's a respect make. thing, man. It's it's yeah. really a respect thing.
0: Yeah, it really is. Like, and, I, I
1: mean, and, it's like you said, like it's kind of out of worldly. Some of these people, it's like, yeah, you know, these people have literally put some sort of time in doing some sort of scouting, mm-hmm. busted their butts to build this blind. And
0: another thing you too just, is, man, like we don't know who you're dealing with. It's no. not a good safety Mm-mm. thing to do because you could put into the wrong person's blind, and i just try to stay away from any kind of confrontation out there you got to think about it we're in the middle of nowhere and everyone's got a gun it's lawless yeah (laughs) especially down that river you're talking about it's lawless out there bro Very. because if somebody because let's be honest if somebody shot you out there and dumped you in the channel they'd probably never find you oh no they would would just think you got nowhere they would think you got in a boat wreck that's you know nobody'd ever know and so you got to be careful who you're messing with down there, man. And, and Venice, is, Venice is,
1: I mean, I'm sure y'all seen the Mud Boat pages, that incident last year. Venice is very known for people who are. Oh, you're talking about the guy that pulled the pistol out? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, people are very protective over their duck lawns, And I'm a Louisiana local, you are too. Mm-hmm. But those Venice locals, they're very.
0: Special breed
1: very special breed of people but they're very protect you know they're very protective over their their culture and this and that and you know they look at it as hey these are our ducks and you're not from around here and yeah. we're whether it be
0: right or wrong i mean obviously whether it be that's right not the right wrong. mentality but you know that's what we have to live with and and you have to be smart man just just go out there, build your own blind, and get in your own blind, man. Just There's Dude, so many ducks down there, man. You can, you don't and, have to do that. And that's the thing.
1: There is so many ducks, and there's so many places. I try to – it doesn't matter if there's just the mother load. If somebody's got a blind in there, I try to still give myself 250 yards. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's the norm. That's yeah. my closest, closest limit. Don't call on swings. That's disrespectful to another man. You got a man – you're in within 250 yards and you can see that other person
0: he's about the light birds don't mm-hmm. shoot I mean we did it on a uh I think of not not the year that just passed but the one before I was with a, a buddy of mine we were hunting some public land and they had some teal that were working these guys that were hunting next to us about they, they were probably 200 yards away uh they didn't know we were set up there when they got set up because the cut grass was so tall they just couldn't yeah. tell and I didn't even know they were coming in you know honestly we were there first and then they came in after but uh, we heard them shooting, obviously, right at daybreak, so we knew they were there. But they had ducks that were working those guys, and we stopped calling and everything, man. Just let them work their birds. We were killing ours, you know? It's like, yeah. let them have theirs. Well, I mean, it's... it's a respect thing, like you it's said. It's a brotherhood thing, you know? Yeah. Like, we're in this together. Yeah. And I Why? love seeing other people have success out there. Correct. I do. I love seeing a fly, big flock of ducks go in on somebody else and watching them guys burn their gun barrels off. I that, can't that tell you excited. how many times pulled up to a boat launch
1: or pull up to a dock and there's other people that are just as happy as me for shooting, you know, a big limit of birds. They're like in awe or whatever, mm-hmm. and, hey, look, what you shot? And, and we're sitting there in top a topic of conversation. Well, good, I'm glad you had a good duck yeah.
0: hunt. And Some of the best friendships are made like that. Yeah. I know guys I met at the duck blind, I mean, at the uh, boat launch before, you know, just talking to those guys and realized, man, we're really not that different. We're all the same out here. We're all sick in the head. Yeah. Yeah, especially when you're getting down there towards Venice, man. Cause I don't even hunt out there much. If I go down there, I'm going with someone. I've never been downriver, you know that? It's it's
1: Venice is just a competitive world, dude. Yeah. It's definitely once you decide you're gonna start hunting Venice, whether it be upriver, downriver, it's you're stepping into a new league. Yeah. Like it really is.
0: Yeah. And yeah, no, I just a, don't have a surface drive, you know, and I don't have a big enough boat. To go down there, you know, I'm not going on there in a 14 foot flatboat. I'll be honest with you, you do
1: more damage with a big bay, bay boat and a p-rog in Venice. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I don't have a bay boat either, though, so I'm trying not to disclose spots because I
0: don't want to be hated. Yeah, don't do don't, don't disclose amongst no the general right.
1: public, but
0: but no, I mean, and that's really duck hunting in, in general. I think a lot of times you do better with p-rogging into the areas where you're actually going to be hunting because. You know, number one, you're not jumping up your, your loafing birds. You know, that's the big thing. Is you you, you just, just want to keep those it's birds. It's all together, much more quieter,
1: mm-hmm. and it's more traditional.
0: It is, yeah. You know, yeah. I, the way I, they I like the it. traditional style hunting. Yep, I mean, that's what your dad did. You know, your dad yeah. was a big duck hunter,
1: <laughs> dude. Uh, so I don't know if I told you this. Before I got a mud boat my dad made me go one whole season and I hunted in Pointershin. one whole season. He said, if you can use a pirog from one whole season, and I was, I was working, I was making like seven something an hour minimum wage, and I was saving up. But it, of course, I think I saved up like a thousand bucks. He was like, for your, for your senior present, I'll put, help you put up money, we'll get you a boat, but you gotta prove to me you're a duck hunter. Hmm. So one whole season, dude. Two o'clock in the morning every weekend, scouted in a pirog, paddled, you know the impoundment, paddled to the good spots. <laughs> like, dude, yeah. it was it was a trek, bro. That's a track, bro. Yeah. And I'm competing against people with boats. Yeah. And like mid-season, I started to like kill ducks. Now I wasn't shooting, you know, fantastic limits. I was shooting do whatever teal, you know. But I was yeah. shooting ducks. Yeah. And that's when that's like, Yeah, you've you, you got you've it, proved yeah. yourself. You're you're with it. So.
0: you deserve it he didn't want to spend money on a surface drive and then you just like not use it right he also wanted you not to take advantage i mean take take it for granted you know having that uh, it is definitely a
1: necessity yeah
0: but it is also
1: like something that where you you, hunt it is yeah just a necessity but it's uh one of those things that you know it's kind of it's like the icing on the cake to get the surface drive it just makes the game way easier yeah it's a luxury
0: It's a luxury, right? Like where most of the time I hunt, which is closer to the house, it's, uh, you know, it's places where you can't bring surface drives and stuff. And, you know, most of what I do is I just keep my P-Rog in my my outboard and I like to go paddle to where the ducks are. And I'm parking my boat where there's no ducks and I'm paddling to where there's ducks. And to me, and I'm sure a lot of people won't like to hear this, and that's okay because I have my own... Beliefs and that's cool. I, I really would like to see the day where they had designated travel areas where you can travel by all types of motors, and then designated areas to where it's Prog only, paddle mm-hmm. only, no internal combustion engines at all. And I need, I mean, big areas where there, where you got to paddle two three miles to get to the other side of it. That's what I want to see. And I don't know if we'll ever get to that point, just because you know this one and that one probably political joe uh you know it probably has the, some the kind big of name surface drive companies will definitely try to fight it yeah you know what i'm saying people that got the money they'll be fighting that kind of stuff but i would like to see it i would love that man i just feel like it would allow those ducks to have big areas where they can loaf and be comfortable without being bumped up by surface drives all right. day long because talk about that man talk, talk about what you see in venice uh because i mean i hear the stories and stuff talking to guys like you and other people that hunt down there what are what are you seeing with the pressure on these birds? Are these birds going out like way out into the open water and the golf and stuff and loafing during the day the golf they're going because
1: to the because yeah. it's become too common for someone to scout by now all our motors you know i'm I'm guilty with it. I have a built motor, I have a voodoo exhaust it's loud as I don't know what, but like it's too common to for people to Just drive. And then you're jumping up ducks. Well, that might have been the X, but it may not be no more. Right. Because they're not going to sit there and keep getting ran by so many times. These ducks are smart by the time they get to us. Like how I would scout. I might pick an area and take a run at the pass and legit shut the motor off and let the current drift me out. Yeah. And go as far as I can, drop the trolling motor, Get back as far as I can, and then start back up, yeah. or you know, vice versa. If I have seen ducks in a certain area, the minute that I see them, spud down, sit and watch,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and see what
0: they do when they get a little bit of pressure on.
1: Just them. see, just see what they do. Even, I mean, you're drifting; you might not even spook them if gotcha. you're two, three hundred yards off, and then you crank up and idle and get way away, then run. But yeah. it's too common for the, for everybody, you
0: know. Yeah. To just run—that's not how you scout ducks. No, you don't. Uh, every time I go for on a scouting trip, I got binoculars. Binoculars. You know, and you I'm know. trying to see I them way ahead of time. That's what I'd like to do: is see them right. way ahead of time, being able to look at them, identify the species that I'm looking at. That's a big thing because if you come across a loaf of fifteen hundred pintails, you're not gonna go set up on fifteen hundred pintails because you can only shoot one yeah (laughs) you know what i mean so you got to be able to identify the ducks that is a big thing in venice yeah no especially venice
1: don't don't set up
0: on the pintails yeah because they're gonna be the only thing you see good to
1: see them in an area
0: yeah but it's one exactly you're gonna go set up a whole spread build a blind everything and just to kill one duck like come on you know yeah so unless you're trying to band hunt (laughs) yeah i mean or you know try to find the longest sprig you could possibly find and then try not to shoot it off when you shoot it. <laughs> right. Guilty yeah. of that before. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know. I, I, think, uh, and I think if somebody like you, who does have voodoo exhaust, who does have a surface drive, can agree that we need to do something about the pressure that these ducks are under from surface drives, I think then we all should probably be able to come to some kind of agreement. It'd be nice, but I really don't. It's just, man, I just don't think that a lot of these guys... And I don't know what it is about, and it could be everywhere, man, but I, I feel like in Louisiana, a lot of guys have a big disconnect with, uh, I, don't, I don't know what it is, man. That's just, so many people just feel so disconnected to me yeah, from what really matters in waterfowl hunting. Yeah. You know, you go, you talk to guys in Kansas, you talk to guys in Missouri, you talk to guys I was just on the Duck Gun Chronicles podcast talking to a guy in Indiana who's the guy who hosts the podcast, Jordan, and then Elliot, who's out in Kansas. He talked to these guys, and, you know, they fully understand, you know, what, like how you can't just ride around and jump up ducks. You know, you just got to try to keep them comfortable sitting down in their, their loafing area. And I just feel like for whatever reason, Louisiana duck hunters just don't seem to get that. And I don't know if it's just this this group of people who either don't care, probably the same people that are willing to just litter while they're duck hunting, throw you know cans out in the water and stuff. I don't know if it's that same group of people, you know, getting plastered in a duck blind, you know, that those type of guys. I don't know if it's those guys and it's just a select few that's ruining it for everybody, or is it really just a big disconnect with Louisiana duck hunters?
1: I, I think a lot it of is.
0: it is, is that
1: I won't blame no TV shows or nothing. I don't believe that has anything to do with it. But duck hunting popularity has definitely become more popular. Like I can tell you what, just with frogging has been harder for me because since COVID, surface drive sales went through the roof, you know? yeah. And it's becoming more common for people to get surface drives and, hey, I'm going to get into duck hunting and... Either one, they either realize it's not as easy as it is, mm-hmm. or two, they do it completely wrong. Your dad grew up in duck hunting, My dad, my family grew up in duck hunting, mm-hmm. and we have multiple friends that our fam- their families grew up in duck hunting. And when I got involved with y'all, you know, y'all grew up in duck hunting. So I got to be, you know, kind of put on game in a sense. And understand, you know, the basics to the, that, that leading forward to that kind of, you know, doing more than most and, you know, putting in that extra effort. Whereas yeah. a lot of people just, they don't know.
0: Well, you were, you were taught, I mean, at a young age. Uh, I, mean, I think I was like 13 or 14 when I got into it. I think I was 14. I think it goes back to your deer hunting days, too. You know, you had, you grew up in a family of hunters, the traditional hunters, hunters that hunted for generations. Right. And so they, right off the bat, I mean, they taught you the importance of conservation. They taught you safety. Yeah. You know, they taught you the basics. I mean, the fundamentals of, and I think what you're having now is a lot of, you know, first generation duck hunters. Yeah. Guys that just, that think it's a wave. Yeah. You know, they're just riding the wave.
1: I know? got a buddy that he is, uh, he's been riding the struggle bus and, um. A friend of ours got us together and stuff, and just the other day, you know, sending him pictures of duck hunts at this one WMA and videos and stuff, and this dude's just amazed. Like, I can't even believe you killed that out there. Like, yeah. what do you know that I don't know? Yeah. And it's little things like tips. My dad hunted this place. And yeah, migration has changed a lot of it, changed the birds and this and that, but was still able to kill some of those, you know, prized species. And it's not like back in the day when they would have hundreds of ducks, but I was still able to kill, you know, those prized species mm-hmm. using time frames, scouting this way and this and that and little things that's generational pass downs that it may not all the way work, but it's got me on game more than than the guy who has no idea what he's doing right it's not about going find a good cut grass patch and throwing a decoy spread it's about knowing those
0: little tips and secrets you know and I understand that a lot of people weren't fortunate enough to grow up in a family that duck hunted hmm and, and and I'm hoping that falling tide becomes that brand that a lot of these first-time generation duck hunters can come to and learn and learn I'm hoping that we're putting it out there, the right way to do stuff. I know we goof off and we joke around and stuff, but at the, but at the end of the day, everyone that's involved with Fallen Tide believes in conservation, we believe in traditions, you know, We believe in doing things the right way, doing them safely. We believe in, you know, just we try to be a gentleman out there, you know. Uh, some people might have a different definition for gentlemen, but I believe that we do stuff the right way. And I would love for the first-generation duck hunters to you know, take note of that and, and look more towards what we're doing and um, not look at Snapchat necessarily or TikTok for the way to be a duck hunter because there's a lot of goofballs out there that, that put stuff out there. And I just feel like, um, you know, I think the first-generation duck hunters just need to be exposed to the right, the right, uh, the right content. I, I guess a lot of people are doing
1: it the wrong way, man. I mean, I've literally been on a somewhat of an X mm-hmm. and terrified to even take a picture. Yeah. And just in that moment was like, hey, snap a picture, post it to Instagram. Not a blind in sight. Go back, take my dad. There's 10 duck blinds around me. Dang. Literally pulled up and was like, yep, this is this r- yeah. turn around and left. I mean, yeah. the wrong tree was in the picture. Yeah, and too many people are doing that. It's just jealousy, and it's sad.
0: I don't like that, man. I feel like, you know, if you can't go out and find find ducks yourself, and, and get get a spot that's away from everybody else, then, you know, you probably you probably need to just stop duck hunting, man. Cause
1: no, it's doing you're doing it. The and wrong though, there's way. a lot of
0: people. And there's nothing wrong with this. There's a lot of people that just want to go to the same couple spots. You know, if they kill three birds, they kill six birds, they kill one bird. It doesn't really matter. They just want to be out there. And there's that's nothing wrong awesome. wrong with them people, man. Like nothing that is,
1: wrong with that. There's nothing this wrong with that. Because don't, limits don't control duck hunting.
0: Not at all. Not at all, dude. I'm, I think a, a, what makes a real duck hunter is somebody who just appreciates duck hunting, doesn't Im- impose on other people, doesn't uh, look to other people to find ducks, you know, just does their own thing, does things their own way, and doesn't bother anybody else. I really think that's more or less like what makes a duck hunter. And somebody who enjoys being out there regardless of what happens. Right, That's a duck hunter to me. You know, somebody who is all about the limits, it's all about this, all about that. There's nothing wrong with being hungry. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with being hungry and trying your best that's what I feel like no, me you and you need do. That. We try our best.
1: If you want to be successful, we you need to have, have success. that hunger. There's
0: nothing wrong with having the hunger and wanting to be successful. But if you say, you know, if I don't kill limits, uh, like, oh, the world's going to come crashing down. Or, or you know, if someone else don't kill limits, like, they just suck. Like, you know what I mean? Right. It's just, uh, it's just that's not what makes us come. What makes us come back is the bad days. Think about it. Bingo. So... We live for those good days, but those bad days are what make the good days so damn good. Correct. And that's that's where I think there's a lot of a disconnect when it comes to you know the duck hunting community. I don't think they understand that. I mean, you got to have those bad days, you know. Dude,
1: hard work beats talent tenfold yeah. every time. The man who puts in the hard work. Yeah. And it, it, when you do the hard work.
0: Yeah. When, when duck hunting, though, it's really not even the work. It's really the time spent. Time spent out there, yeah. You know, because I mean, time spent in area covered. That's the hard work of duck hunting. It's, you got to cover the area. You got to see it. You got to go lay your eyes on every part, man. Because I remember there was this piece of public land that's over here, kind of close to my house, and I went scouted one day, and I'll never forget, man. I paddled this whole area, dude. I mean, huge. Didn't see nothing. Pulled it in this one pond. It was like fifty green hits in it. I ain't seen nothing else. I seen fifty something, There's like fifty-something green heads. Mallards, I should say. Not necessarily green heads, but just mallards. A couple of model ducks sprinkled in there. A Couple of sprinkled in there. I said, alright. Found out where I'm hunting tomorrow. Took off of work. Called in sick. It wasn't really sick, but I called in sick. Right. Uh, it was like a hard cold front coming through that night. I said, Oh, this is about to be, this is about to be wonderful. I went sat up in there. And uh, that daybreak, I had about 300 gadwalls sitting in my decoy. But if I didn't cover that area and, and you know, do the paddling that I did, and I mean, I paddled a lot. I spent the whole day just paddling and paddling and paddling. And uh, if I didn't do that, I'd have never found them ducks, you know. It's just you. That's the hard work. And it's not necessarily, oh, you got to, you know, uh, you know, push pole over 10 mudflats to get to the ducks. It's not necessarily that. It's just cover the area, man. Do your due diligence. I mean, that's really all duck hunting is. It's so simple, man. People make duck hunting so hard. It seems so hard sometimes, man, but it really is simple. It's just cover the area, find the ducks. When you find the ducks, figure out how to hide there. That's it. That's duck hunting. Yeah. I mean, it's not that hard. It's not. But it's very enjoyable. (laughs) It is. It's a grind. look, Look, you can do everything I'm telling you to do and still have a bad day. Had a lot of days like that where I find a big uh, loaf of birds and you know figure out how to hide right there and you find them and you go there you hunt the next day and you only kill one duck two ducks and you're like what the heck happened well that's Happ- waterfowl hunting too
1: happens all the time and it happens
0: all the time that's waterfowl hunting and uh, that's okay that's what I mean by the bad days make the good days so good because you gotta have those bad days if you don't have those bad days man you just can't enjoy good days on the level that i think i enjoy them for sure right you know a lot, you know the youtube channel the fallen Tide tv youtube channel it, it you know most of the hunts that we put out are, are, are good hunts you know or at least a hunt that had a story i don't necessarily want to put out a hunt that really didn't have a story mm-hmm. so y'all don't necessarily see all of the all of the hunts that we have that don't do good because i have a lot of hunts in a season that are not good hunts where we had one, two, three birds killed in the hunt, or sometimes we even goose egg. It's like, I'm not going to put the video out, not because I'm embarrassed, just because there was just not much of a story there to be told.
1: All right. <laughs> you know, like, I had a
0: hunt I put out. I killed, like, two ducks in the hunt, and I put that out because there was a story to be told with it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's very deceiving. You know, I get the, oh, man, how y'all always killing ducks? How y'all always killing ducks? I'm like, okay, but you don't see the in-between days. Yeah. The days that just sucked. That we didn't kill nothing <laughs> right or you know and that's to me is you know that's waterfowl and, and i wouldn't have it any other way i wouldn't want it to be a limits every single day no you know as much as good as that, that sounds good for like one season but then after that i'm looking for some adversity man i'm trying to break my motor man i'm trying to do something like <laughs> you can't just have it perfect all the time that's not that's not reality Oh, i can't agree more i legit <laughs>
1: had a season where I couldn't do nothing wrong. I legit had these birds down to time frame, dude, like wake up, go fishing, eat breakfast, you know, hang out, drink a beer or two, and alright, it's about that time, and ease my way, throw decoys so leisurely, and hop in the blind, and then wear them out, huh? wear their ass out. And then then comes last season where it was like, here we go, boys. Back to the basics. We're either going to make it or break it. And you know what? Those seasons are the ones that humble you. Mm-hmm. And it was like... So y'all had a rough year last year, you'd say? <sighs> yeah. And I had buddies who had great, had a great season. And I had buddies that were right along with me on the struggle bus. Hmm. I wouldn't say we had a terrible season. We were averaging about 14 to 15 birds a hunt, which yeah. hunting with three people, you know, it's not yeah. 18, but you know what? It's still ducks. Yeah. It wasn't always straight straps of greys and wigeons or, you know, all the things that look wonderful on social media, mm-hmm. but <laughs> it, was, it was duck hunting, yeah. and it, it brought me back to, like, hey. It could be going in a second. Could be gone in a second. This is this is how hard it is. Do you think Hurricane Ida had something to do with your duck hunting? Hundred and fifty percent.
0: Yeah.
1: We had the weirdest case of reverse migration last year. Hmm. Down in Venice. Youth Weekend, had buddies scouting and we we're all kinda in a tight knit community of we all got our groups, and that's how Venice is. Everybody's got their little groups, and yeah. we may not even hunt together, but we're communicating, you know, back and forth. And um, buddies go for youth weekend. Oh, dude, it's crazy, you know. The birds, they were done, and they had kids shooting limits in 20 minutes. Yeah, I mean mallards were being shot. All kind of just phenomenal species. And then go back for open a weekend, and it's like. Where did they go? Yeah, And it was a weird case of reverse migration. You mentioned that South winds were your better days, right? (laughs) North winds was pretty much like, man, I remember we were set up and we were in our better hole last year. We never had a hot hole last year, but we had a better hole. And front was blowing through 25 plus winds. Now the year before, Throw salt at him, kill him. I mean, just like couldn't do it wrong yeah. on those days. Yeah. Last year, get those fronts, couldn't couldn't even shoot a duck. The weirdest things: days with zero wind, better days. South hmm. winds, better days. Year before, complete opposite.
0: So, you, do you believe that that's ducks blowing in from the Gulf? loafing 100
1: percent. they just can't sit out
0: there right they can't sit out there on the south one day see that is that is the one thing that that is so telling to me that something is going on with ducks and their adaptation to the pressure that we're putting Mm -hmm. on so this this is this is happening down here uh in the last i'd say what four years three years four years that you're seeing this yeah look i know they've always done this to a degree but not on the level they're doing it now, where they're just going loaf all day long in the Gulf and coming inland to feed at night. Are yeah. you noticing that?
1: hundred percent.
0: So something that, that I remember reading about, uh, I don't know, maybe five years ago, six years ago, I've been, I, I remember reading that they were doing the same thing up the flyway. Mm-hmm. You had a lot of these guys that had, you know, flooded cornfields that they, they're they hunting where they have their, you know, their leases and stuff. They lease a blind up there and they have sanctuaries close by. And what they were seeing is during the day, the birds were sitting on the sanctuaries and then at night they were coming into the cornfields and feeding. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's just not an adaptation from that up north, that they're just learning that, hey, we don't get shot at night. It's just like a deer. We don't get shot at night. So why don't we do all of our traveling at night? And those like full moon days, you can almost forget it. You know, like you're gonna, you're not really gonna kill any ducks on a full moon. My buddies who, uh, I have a couple buddies that guide in Texas,
1: they have a full moon night. They'll legit cancel the trip and refund or offer you another yeah. day. They so will not hunt. They're
0: feeding at night. Cause they'll go feed at night. If you remember last year, I hunted with, with Justin Rozier. Uh, banging outfitters I hunted with him last year we hunted an evening hunt because he said that the morning hunt would just be you're not going to kill anything so you're not going to kill anything So they're all they're all out in the gulf you're not going to kill nothing until dark yep. and I was like huh so we went out there and you know late in the evening and then the ducks started pouring in man and then right at dark right after shooting light we had killed our limit but barely and then right at do right at cutoff for shooting light thousands of ducks all over the place dude
1: mm-hmm.
0: coming in off the gulf that's like that's just something i never never seen. they're doing that by my house too, hmm. in the lake and look they may they may have always done this to a degree, but I just don't recall it like this, where they're just i don't I think it's just the pressure we're putting on them, man It's gotta my, be
1: last year for I won't say the what I was going to say, but for craps and giggles, I had nothing to do, I wasn't going hunt I just Go take a boat ride, go scout. Mm-hmm. And legit was like curious to see if they still do it by the house. Yeah. Go sit in the lake. And they were in the lake. And watch them pour in and nobody thought they had ducks in that place. Yeah, they did. Coming off the they lake. They didn't man. have a uh, they didn't have a venice load. Yeah. But coming off the lake, going in there at night. And yeah. nobody was shooting ducks in there. Yeah. And it's just like
0: I don't know, man. I, I... I feel like if we had the ability to limit the maybe the riding around with boats mm-hmm. and that riding around scouting that people do, and um, if we had the ability to, I think, to limit that, I, I really do think that we would see a difference in some of the birds that you know hang out a little further inland during the day. Uh, it's got it's got to make a difference, man. It's got it would have to make a difference. But I mean, look at the end of the day, I'm not a I'm not a whiner. I just kind of wonder like what could we do to make it a little bit better, but I mean, we've been killing ducks, and I really don't have much to complain about as far yeah. as that goes. And I don't want to be the complainer. I'm, I feel like we'll always find a way to kill ducks as long as there there is ducks to kill. We'll find a way to kill them, and I think that goes back to just uh, you know, whenever we first started duck hunting, we were hunting where it was kind of a struggle to kill ducks. And I was talking about this on the duck gun, the duck gun podcast, uh, you know, not that not that long ago, where that those years that we spent with uh equipment that wasn't really up to par (laughs) hunting in areas that didn't have large numbers um not really knowing how to blow a duck call that well i mean all of these things that whenever you're first starting out i think that the struggles that we endured through those years help us tremendously with this new age of duck hunting that we're living through right now where we understand what it's like to hunt with low margin for error. And, right. and it helps us, I think, in this era. I think there's a lot of guys that live through the glory days of duck hunting, and they don't even they, they don't even know where to start in this new era of duck hunting. They think there's just no ducks in Louisiana, and that's so far from the case. There's a lot of ducks in Louisiana. Not like they used to, but there's still a lot of ducks in Louisiana to be killed. Yeah. Um, and I think there's also this new age of duck hunter that comes in that just may not quite understand how much it takes to be a duck hunter, and also just doesn't have the opportunities to to have the, the good days and the bad days. They just don't, they just, they're not hunting in an area where they have enough opportunity to learn waterfowl hunting. And I think that we're kind of in that in-between era where we're having success because we've kind of seen a little bit of both eras. Been there, done that. Yeah. Um, we had the little detail into the good days and we filtered into the days that we live now it's just as high pressure um you know lower number of birds higher pressure era that we're living through right now mm-hmm. and but I, I don't know man i've really been enjoying waterfowl hunting tremendously and i've enjoyed the tough days i've enjoyed um you know learning new areas because i had to i had to move that's another thing man people don't a lot of times don't want to move they don't want to go to different areas and learn new areas. like me, you
1: know.
0: You know, like I grew up hunting one area and if I would have never left that area, I would only be shooting ringnecks and dogeries right now. Right. You know, and I had to, I had to go somewhere else. I want to shoot some puddle ducks too, you know. You know, I think that, uh, you know, and then also you got to do your due diligence, you know, which I think we've done over the last few years in the new areas that I've been hunting doing our due diligence just really Learning what the birds are doing in those areas, you know. I mean, look. I don't think anyone possible can be a perfect duck hunter. There's no such thing. I don't think it's a perfect no. duck hunter. But you, you know, you strive to get better every single year. You look at the things that you could have done better. You try to learn from, you know, duck behaviors and what they're what they're doing, and you try to get better and better. And um, you know, I've been pleased where we're at the last few years. Um, I, do, I would like to get down that river at some point, though. I would like to see what that's about. It's Never been there. It's otherworldly, dude. I need to get down there with you, bro. You're more than welcome anytime. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been sticking to kind of staying closer to home, you know, especially last year with the baby and everything. I really tried to stay closer to home. I had a lot more time off, though, so that helped. That helped with you know, being able to stay on the birds all year. Uh, I had six weeks off of parental leave. That was pretty cool. (laughs) Take advantage of it. Took advantage of that. Big time during the duck season. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to have that this year, so it kind of sucks. But, hey, man, it's all good. I appreciated it. That's the only thing. You got to appreciate the little wins, you know? Right. Yep. What's your favorite duck, dude? (laughs) Random question. What's your favorite duck? All right. So,
1: it's basic, but my favorite duck is a
0: uh, is a Greenhead. Oh, geez. You go to Starbucks, too? You like Starbucks? No, yeah. I don't like Starbucks. <laughs> matter
1: of fact, I'm, I've never ordered anything from Starbucks.
0: I went to Starbucks earlier, so I can't say nothing. Yeah, I saw the drink. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice
0: purple drink. I don't even know what it's called.
1: So, if I was to say my favorite marsh bird would have to be a Widgeon. That's such a that's such a tough one. my favorite duck to hunt is a gray duck.
0: What? Hold on a second, you got me so confused right now. Your favorite duck is a mallard, but your favorite marsh duck is a wigeon. But your favorite duck to hunt is a gray duck? Yeah. How does that even how does that make sense? Okay, so. Explain it.
1: <laughs> I've been on a mallard kick for I don't know. I've never really Got to skull drag mallards. I got to go to Texas with some buddies last year, and we did a mallard skull dragon. I don't know who you are. I ain't going. To answer. Somebody calling you? Yeah. I don't know who that is. <laughs> so, in Louisiana, we get mallards. They're uh, they're about as unique and um, hard to hunt as a gray duck. And It's it's a never-ending lesson and a kick in the butt because uh, never really never really skull drug them but managed to shoot a few and it's just like one of those hunts is like yeah well I mean hey we shot three or four today I'm more than proud of it
0: yeah so a greenhead you say is your your favorite but what is it about a, a gray duck hunt for you that does it? Because look, like, there's a lot of people who duck hunt that like, especially up the flyway, they don't even shoot a gray duck. I know.
1: My they dad said back shoot. in the day when they had ducks, gray duck was a trash duck
0: to them. What? I'm like, wow. Man, I love shooting gray it ducks.
1: Was, they were Mallard, Wige, and pintail purists, but Man. they were in I'm, that I era they could be.
0: Red. They didn't what, even what shoot What is it for you about a gray duck that does it?
1: They're a damn challenging bird. <laughs> they really are. Yeah. I think they're the smartest bird we have down here. They're, they're such an intelligent bird. They're putting a pattern on you as quick as you're putting a pattern on them. And it's funny because you go up the flyway and people say they're dumb. They are dumb because in Texas I hunted them last year. They're about as stupid as a
0: Tweety bird. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I find that I guess the areas that I hunt them. So, all right, a freshwater hunt on a gray duck, I don't find that they decoy quite as good. And I don't know why that is but i find i have to like talk to them a little bit in the fresh marsh and i don't know what it, i don't know if it's just because there's feed everywhere and there's like birds everywhere like there's a lot of coots in the fresh marsh i don't know if they just they have so many options with that and then you go to the salt marsh and you don't even have to blow a duck call you can just stay hidden stay quiet stay still and you know you get in some of those small little lagoons with you know eight decoys or so and they just come and they come out of the stratosphere and they come straight in they don't even think twice. They don't even make a pass. they just come straight in. And I don't know if it's because they're really comfortable out there in that open salt marsh where there's just no other hunters out there and they're they're just comfortable or maybe it's just like a lot of times it's late morning birds, so maybe they've gotten their belly full and they just want to come in and just relax and they think that's just a couple birds in know in a cove just chilling. and so they just come in and they just they you know they don't really. They don't even have a lot on their mind, I guess. They're just kind of relaxed and chilling. I don't know if that's what it is, but what. But man, them, them dang gray ducks in that salt marsh decoy better than any bird that I've ever hunted. And they just and that's why I they like do it them. right. They just do it right every single time. They
1: are a bird that they have their own diversity. Yeah. You can hunt a gray duck many, many ways <laughs> yeah, you can. in different situations. Yeah. They react different. It's it's pretty nuts and that's why I like them. Yeah. I think the widgets is just my
0: favorite bird as far as they're just a gorgeous stuff. They are gorgeous. They make a beautiful sound too. God. Yeah. And it's amazing they seem so like just smaller and beautiful and like delicate, but yeah. they're such a bully. Yeah. They steal the food out of other ducks' mouths. Like it's so weird that they they're such a bully yet they seem so chill at the same time.
1: They're uh they're definitely pretty.
0: Yeah, I love them, man. I love a Wigeon. I've only shot a few Wigeons in my life, man. Maybe a handful. Shot a few in Kansas and shot a few close to home. But, uh, yeah, man, just I love Wigeon. Yeah. I don't get enough opportunity to shoot Wigeon. No. I wish we had more of them. And we have a lot. I'm not saying we don't have many. We do have a lot of Wigeon. But some places like Pacific Northwest, dude, it's just loaded with Wigeon up there. Washington, Oregon, like South that area. Texas. South Texas is a lot.
1: Go wow. go go! Look up a South Texas salt marsh hunt. Pentails and wigeons.
0: Oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. I thought it was just all redheads and grays in South Texas. Dude, it's nuts. Dang. Yeah, never been down there, so I wouldn't know.
1: Our best year that that year that I had that really good year, yeah. there was just we killed a, wit, a Drake wedge in a hunt. Reason yeah. being that storm hit South Texas. Mm. Widgeons bopped over. Really. Straight up, because hmm. I have a buddy who has a buddy who guides over there has an outfit. I was like, we lost all our widgets, and my friend's like, they're all over here, dude.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude, I got a piss. Let's take a break. All right, y'all, we're back. We had to go make a piss break. The uh, the beer's just going right through us. Dude, hey, you like uh, you like boiled peanuts? Oh yeah. I got some. Hold up. Sorry, y'all at home. Y'all gonna have to wait. We gotta get some boiled peanuts out. My neighbor, my neighbor boiled them the other day. Let's see if I can rig something up for us here. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Fallen Time Podcast, where we do everything but podcasting. Uh- I forgot, dude. I
1: went to clean my boat today and uh, had a couple big Granivalet pods and I should have brought them.
0: We need to do a Granivalet video, bro. I don't know what to, what to do with these, but I guess I'll just pour them in your crawfish tray. <laughs> there you go. kind of dripping. Hey, you making a mess. Yeah, yeah it's alright. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crawfish bowl of peanuts. Are they good at what? Oh man, my neighbor made them. They're pretty good. All right, back to duck hunting talk. <laughs> <laughs> so what are what are you doing right now, Eric, to prepare for teal season? Are you doing anything special right now, or what? Um,
1: a little bit of scouting. Um, right now, uh, going through decoys and. Checking through stuff for the boat and this and that, so I'm not uh, surprised by something that's uh, not up to par in the boat, like a fire yeah. extinguisher. <laughs> that, so, uh,
0: for teal season, you actually, like, this time of year, you go out to where you're going to be hunting at? You I'm, like going, I'm going
1: to check areas. Like I said, if I could find model ducks using a food
0: source. Um. So, so do you look to the model ducks for all duck species, or? No. I mean, so... This is a generation tip, I hate to say it but. Hey bro, we all about sharing some secrets over here. It's brotherhood. As long as the ain't spots. I don't want you to say no spots, but.
1: You ever figured out that teal followed Becrosh too? Huh? No, yes. I didn't know that. Three years ago, I'm the only person that shot a limited teal in this WMA, and you know how I found him? Hmm. Becrosh. Hmm. Literally riding out, hunted that morning, Kind of went in blind, didn't really see much. I think we shot one, and that was just because he saw mojos. I was like, nah, let's go take a ride, rode a whole area, nothing. Roll across this, I'm riding, kind of stop, see a bunch of Beckerosh sitting on a mud flat, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting, and there's feet over there. Yeah. Sat, and watched. This was about 8 30, 9 o'clock. All of a sudden, here come the teal to come eat with the becroch. Hmm. So, if I can find a becroch feeding in an area, one, becroch ain't gonna feed in too deep of water. Right. They're a puddle bird too. They wanna be able to walk around what they're eating. They're hmm. on a food source. Teal, teal will be not far behind them. Hmm. Bacroch are your September poodoo. You know, poodoo find feed. You find poodu big concentration of poodle, nine times out of ten you'll have ducks with them. Yeah. That is a
0: generational secret right there. Because a lot of times I notice, like we're hunting for teal, on the best teal hunts, it's when the migration hits at that moment, like that night the that teal season. Full open. moon peak. Right. And so what happens is, I guess, a lot of times when you go out to scout before a season, you don't really have too many teal to really go off of. No. And if you do, that's probably not a good thing. You don't want a lot of... You don't... Like yesterday,
1: I went right around in an area. I found six teal. That's good.
0: <laughs> probably the X. Because mm-hmm. there's something there that... That means there's, there's not a lot of teal in the area, and then you got a few of them in this spot. That, yeah. means, that's a, that means that spot is probably good.
1: There's something there for them. Mm-hmm. There's a reason that there was... You know, not one here, not one there. They're right. kind of all chilling together. You don't want your teal to come down too, too early. No, you never want to go scout in August and see a bunch of teal. Because yeah, that could be cousin. very detrimental for your teal season.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Teal are weird. Teal are there one day going the next. So Every I like, day I like going to do on tomorrow, it. definitely. Yeah, definitely, yeah. What I like to do with teal... Because I like to get in their flyways, man. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily usually hunt the X for teal, which is weird. It's kind of the opposite of what I do for Big duck, But I try to identify a, a flyway with teal because teal fly low for the most part. Very much. So if you want to hunt where the teal want to be, you got to pray to God that there's no one else up that flyway hunting. He'll cut you off. He'll <laughs> cut you off every time, yeah. So, a lot of times what I do is I find a, a landmark that they always fly by, and I just hunt that for the most part, you know. That's typically how I hunt my teal. I all, do I wanted to do, all I want them to do is come check up where I'm at, you know. Just come to check on the decoys, you know. Just give me a second of you hovering over that mojo, and, uh, you know, that's enough for me. I don't really need them to, I don't really, you know. You watch the Duck Commander videos, and they're on the X, but they're on private land. Right. That's why you see them circling five and six, seven times before they come in and land, Right. and then they cut into them. You can't really do that on a lot of the public land because, yeah, you might find the X where they want to be, and so but if somebody's 300 yards up the flyway, what you going to do, you know? Right. So we spend a lot of time, you know, identifying those flyways and seeing exactly what landmarks they're flying over to get to where they're going. That's another thing I think... Uh, is, you know, helps me be successful during teal season. Flyways, time frames, food mm-hmm.
1: sources, you know, that's all that, yeah. That's something and and it's not just teal season, that carry over big duck season too, you know. You're in their path of flight, you're trafficking. Yeah. You might not decoy the the whole lot, but you might give yourself a few to give you an opportunity for a shot.
0: Yeah. Yeah, trafficking for big ducks ain't a bad thing either if you uh-uh. know which way they're flying from a lot of times it takes big rafts of decoys and really good blind and some good calling you know to make it happen but it can happen I typically for big ducks I try to be on the X right because I, they fly high and I, I just don't have a lot of faith in a lot of the, the hunters to traffic that you know right and so what happens is they overshoot all those guys and come land on the X yeah, that's mostly what I see
1: that'll do
0: it um, you know, but everything about hunting down here, man, tide and, and you know, feed and everything, <laughs> that X changes every day. Every day. You know, so you can be like right on the X where you think is the X, and the next day it kind of changes up a little bit, you know, based on the tide. Because, you know, that tide exposing that food is really, you know, what those birds are looking for. So, I mean, if the tide's higher the next day when you're hunting, that X could be, you know, just up a little bit more shallow in that bay
1: right i got a question for you yeah go ahead what's your favorite day in south louisiana bluebird or overcast and rain or just overcast in general high winds um
0: so i've killed a lot of graves on an overcast day yeah i have and i probably had better duck hunts on the overcast days but there's something about them bluebird days where those grays come out of the stratosphere. That That's like. when they stratosphere. Mm-hmm. When they come up from way up high and they come down and land, there's something about that that I just can't get enough of. Right. But, I mean, i probably kill more ducks on an overcast day, though. So, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. It depends on what I'm prioritizing. What right, I'm prioritizing right there like, with, a, yeah. like a beautiful, you know, stratospheric, you know, gray ducks getting real vertical tornado and then yeah exactly am I prioritizing that or am I prioritizing stacking bodies I don't I don't know
1: I'd have to say like what's your what's your preferred day like you know
0: I also think a lot of those blueberry days are kind of hot and stagnant sometimes yeah that kind of bothers me I like that kind of misty you know 50 degrees overcast I like those days
1: Separate the men from the boys days.
0: No, I, don't, I mean, yeah, I guess, but <laughs> I, don't, I like it. I don't think it separates me from much. I really love. I just love those days. I like that misty rain, you know, those nasty days. I like it.
1: I'd have to say it's it's the overcast and the nasty for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, pull up to a book I can't tell you how many countless times. They're predicting rain and this and that. I used to get a kick out of my dad would, too. <laughs> like, I cannot believe you're going to actually go hunting in that tomorrow. Pull at to the boat launch, and I am the only boat launching that morning. Because mm-hmm, you And go out there. <laughs> yeah, because I'm dumb. Go out there and sit through a torrential downpour and freeze my butt off, and it turns out to be what. I don't even know if it's just that it was a better day the ducks were more cooperative or it was just like way more rewarding like what what I put myself through yeah. and this is
0: what I got. I've I had some know. some really good hunts on nasty days. You know. I don't know. This is a hard one for me because I just really like seeing those gray ducks get vertical like that on those, those blue, right. blue days. You know. I don't know. It's weird. I, I do find them to be you know a little bit more skittish on those days though they can see more from higher. Yeah, But they also can see you less, which I think makes them more skittish. It depends on where the sun is, but I mean, if you you got a good blind that's got good, that'll cast a good shadow, they don't see you. They won't see you on those blueberry days. The sun will kind of blind them a little bit, but those overcast days, I think they get more comfortable because they can see more, but if you have a good blind, that means you got. That means they won't see you, and they're more comfortable because they can see so much. I didn't think of that. Those uh, those overcast days take the shadows out of the picture. You know.
1: And your white face can be your seen better. White face will be
0: seen better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I find that I don't know. I remember hunting on the coast in the salt marsh, and having I mean nice flocks of, of uh, gray ducks coming in. You know, on those those misty, overcast days, I mean nice flocks, I mean, you know, 10, 12 at a time, coming feet down in the decoys, that's rare. You don't see that too much, and you ain't going to see that on the bluebird days I don't find. Usually on the bluebird days, you're getting those singles and doubles, and, you know, you might have a flock of 10 flying that four might break off of and come in. But they're coming from the freaking stratosphere. I don't know. Probably overcast. I'd probably pick overcast if I had to choose. Got another good question for you. Go ahead, buddy. Not too often people ask me questions on the podcast. I like this.
1: Consistent singles and doubles and
0: triples or big flocks. Oh, easily consistent doubles and triples, dude. <laughs> it
1: makes her a wave on her. Oh, way,
0: way <laughs> better, man. What? I don't even. I don't ever want to see a big flock if I can help it. I like the singles, the doubles, the triples all day. Just just those little waves of them. The way right. you get Every 10, 15 minutes, a double comes in. Yeah. Those are the best days, man, because you can really pick your shots, you know? Um, You don't have to shoot in those big flocks. I I don't really like to educate those big flocks. Yeah, I was about to say, the the
1: education that you're putting in a big flocks is just horrible for me.
0: Man, my picture-perfect gray duck hunt probably is, I don't know, about 45, 50 degrees, um... About 10 mile an hour wind, nothing too crazy, probably a little mist in the air, and flocks of you know, twos and threes coming in, you know, every 20 minutes or so. Where you right. have time to get out, go get the ducks, come back, get blind in, and then the next group will be coming.
1: Kind of settle and chill,
0: and yeah, like you can kind of get settled back in, yeah, yeah. That's my favorite hunts, man. That, that hunt, duck hunt, don't get no better than that to me. And like those days where you, you're seeing enough ducks where so you know you're gonna get them. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. Look, I I enjoy the days where, you know, like, the limit kind of sneaks up on us. Like, you ain't quite sure if you're ever going to get a limit until until it happens, and you're like, oh, my God, this was an awesome hunt. Right. But the whole hunt, you were kind of stressing a little bit. Yeah, is it going to happen? I like the hunts where, like, I know it's going to happen. Let me just relax and soak this in. Yeah. I like those hunts better, I think. I think I could agree. So... I don't know, man. It's uh, Duck hunting is a wonderful thing, my brother. And so are these ball peanuts. <laughs> I'm right. sitting here enjoying the heck out of these ball peanuts right now. Oh, I'm a big boy. I'm hungry. <laughs>
1: They're going down good. Yes, sir. Shoot. Yeah, man. I have to say, you definitely changed my life when you introduced
0: ducks to me. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know if I changed your life for the better or not, but...
1: A lot of ruined relationships. Somebody say did you
0: like, just get divorced over ducks or something? <laughs> <laughs> or is that too much information? <laughs> it's definitely a stressing point. <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. Um, You'll definitely uh, adjust some things in your life, you know? If you just so happen to get into duck hunting. Amen. I do not recommend it for anyone... Who's, like, married, has kids already.
1: No, if you're a deer hunter, stay a deer hunter.
0: Especially, yeah. You. <laughs> you stay deer hunting. I mean, deer hunting don't ruin relationships too much. No. <laughs> Duck hunting will. Duck hunting is a different a different kind of sport.
1: It's about the closest thing to addiction that won't get you put in jail,
0: <laughs> as you can get. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, teal season's coming up. Some of these guys are going to be shooting them rainbow teal. And uh, that might they might get put in jail for that. Don't shoot no wood ducks, y'all. Everybody listening, don't shoot the wood ducks. Just let them fly.
1: They're great to eat, but not right now.
0: Yeah, we can wait on them.
1: Or the model ducks. Well, don't shoot them.
0: They'll all be there during Big Duck. Whistlers, I mean, hey, it's up to you.
1: you <laughs> see, there's other states that have... You can shoot wood ducks during teal season. You know... There I go I'm to pretty, Florida. I'm pretty sure there's
0: a state that you could shoot a whistling duck during teal oh, season. I don't know about that, but
1: I don't, I don't know. know. Florida
0: I believe has a wood duck season. Oh like during teal season you can shoot woodies, I think. Forgive me if I'm lying, but I'm pretty sure I think it is Florida. I think there's like
1: a two or three other states because they just really don't get a teal season. Yeah. So
0: it like, it's you know, really they'll like give you something to
1: warm up on.
0: Yeah. They need to open it up over here for you to shoot whistlers. During season, man. Oh, my gosh. Too many whistlers. Oh. Everywhere. Dude, they're everywhere, bro. I've shot a couple of them during Big Duck, but they're rare. Dude, I shot some in January during Big Duck season, you know that? No kidding. Yeah. Me and my brother were hunting together before I started the channel. And uh, we had a flock come in, and we cut six out of it. <laughs> <laughs> they, they almost decoy like geese. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they don't even decoy. Sometimes they just fly over. They Give you that hover. <laughs> yeah, they just kind of hover over you. I had some come in last year during tear season before daylight. And they are they are kind of nocturnal too, it seems like. Oh yeah, definitely. They talk about good eating. I'm on my last peanut there, bro.
1: Good Lord, man. Oh, dude, I've
0: been tearing them up. Goodness. I know, man. Look at this. Dude, I've just been murdering these peanuts (laughs) like they did something to me he's working on his limits of peanuts (laughs) i just hit my limit just now bro look at that oh my gosh (laughs) that's got to be a four man right there no dog get out of there my dog's trying to eat the peanuts y'all yeah dude whistling duck is a fine table fare oh bro that's the one thing that i think gets kind of lost in the wash there man is that people don't realize just how good a whistling duck is I've heard people say that's trash and all of this kind of stuff. <laughs> man, they can give them all to me then because I love a whistling duck. Oh, yeah. Me and my wife sat here and, and ate them. Uh, that time I had shot them ones and, in January. Me and my wife sat here and ate them up, man. We loved them. They're great. And then they got some nice legs on them and stuff. Yeah, man. The drumsticks on them are <laughs> The legs are like drumsticks.
1: Mm-hmm. Man, you know what was crazy? Hmm. As I had people tell me, snow geese taste bad. I wouldn't
0: know. I ain't shot enough. I've never had a bad taste in snow goose. Really? Hmm. I wouldn't know. I know I've had speckle belly, and they taste delicious. As a ribeye at a sky, right there. Dude, that thing is delicious. I want to try the sandhills, man. People say the sandhills taste even better. I can't imagine. They say it does. They say like, the sandhill cranes taste better than a speckle belly.
1: Like, I can't even imagine how good that is.
0: Yeah. That's All they do is eat the same thing we're eating right now. Peanuts. <laughs> I don't think they boil them, but <laughs> I'm sure they wouldn't discriminate, you know. That yeah. would be an interesting bird. Boy, it tastes like you got some crab ball in them. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> indeed, man. Shoot, I wish they'd open up the dang Beck season. That would be nice. My friend Jared, but outside the levees, he's got a shirt that says "legalize it, subsidize it," and it's got a beak cross on it. It looks like it, and it looks like a marijuana leaf around it.
1: <laughs> no lie, though, man. Before I knew what duck hunting was, and before I knew what how illegal that was, I had a friend of mine. I'm not trying to incriminate nobody. That's a fine tasting bird. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, no well, lie. I don't think any of us will say that we've never tried it before. I wouldn't. I'm not gonna lie to you. I've tried it before, and it's pretty dang good. I have to say. I don't care. Look, I don't care if nobody says, man. They can try to incriminate me, but there's statute of limitations on that stuff. <laughs> I don't give a damn. <laughs> there's got to be a statute of limitations, right? Yeah,
1: I'm pretty I can't sure. I in trouble be- for
0: something that happened when I was a kid. I was a different person then, you know? Yeah, it was back when I thought robins were legal. <laughs> oh, man.
1: And I'll never forget, man. There was a road my dad used to work on. It was an old gravel road. They had no houses, no nothing, just oak trees on either side. Old gravel road. I didn't think nothing of it. i get dropped off with a five-gallon bucket and two boxes of shells and a backpack. That was my dad's way of keeping me out of trouble to go turn them loose and... If it moved, it flew, it died, and, and I mean, and
0: y'all ate it, huh?
1: Oh, did we eat it? I come back with squirrels, blackbirds, robins, stubs. No, I never shot the
0: peckers. Did <laughs> I shot a woodpecker one time when I was a kid? And uh, we ate that. It was pretty good. It's pretty good. I ain't gonna lie. Kind of tastes like bark. No, it didn't taste like bark. It tasted like another bird. I don't know. It didn't have a two by four taste, huh? No. <laughs> no, it didn't. It tasted pretty good. No splinters in the meat. <laughs> it had a little bit of a cedar smell. <laughs> it wasn't too bad
1: though. I I never forget. I got I got the got the switch pulled on me. Uh-oh. I Had to go pick a tree branch because I shot a red bird. I had to eat yeah. that thing too. Oh yeah, it wasn't too bad though.
0: Yeah, no. My dad would my dad would say, kill it, you eat it. That's it, man. You kill it, you eat it. it didn't matter what it was, man. Nowadays. I tell you what, dude, I used to catch a lot of lizards when I was a kid, but in Florida, they eat iguanas now, dude. You see this? Shit, we eat frogs, so. I mean, I would imagine the iguana eats good, but I just never thought that a a child's pet would be something that people eat. <laughs> you know? I mean, they're tearing up the iguanas over there in Florida. and They're eating things up. You ever seen deer meat for dinner? Blue Gabe?
1: I never watched them, but I watched a bunch on YouTube shoot them and eat them.
0: Yeah. We got to find something cool like that to shoot. What about, like, feral cats? Can we, like, shoot and eat feral cats around here? Cause we got a lot of them. I don't know, but I wish we could figure out something to do with feral cats. <laughs> all they do around here is clip their ear and let them go again.
1: Clip their ear? <laughs> what do you mean by that?
0: I don't know. They neuter and spay them or something, and then they clip the ear to identify them. Like, that one's spayed. That one's neutered, you know? <laughs> They're fixed. That's all that means It's like, ah, we'll let it live its life. It can't reproduce. But they don't understand, like, man, the feral cats are, are really taking a toll on, on bird populations. Squirrels, too. Really? They're killing squirrels, too? Huh? Oh, they're killing squirrels. Wow. I mean, I don't care. They have too many damn squirrels anyway, so. But, you know, I don't know. It, it just. I, I had one choke to my house the other day. And he was sweet. The cat was really sweet. So, I, like, I didn't want to do nothing to it. But, you know, something's got to be done with some of these like, feral cats. They're, they're bad. There's a lot of them. Especially in like the urban areas and stuff. It's I don't know what this has to do with duck hunting, but I figured, you know, since we're talking about it. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of drifting. I know. I tend to do that a lot. <laughs> I forget we're on a podcast at times.
1: Have you noticed the diff- a difference in the South Shore and the North Shore on squirrels?
0: I don't know. I mean, probably there's a difference on the South Shore because of the dang storm, I'd imagine.
1: We ain't got no more squirrels. What?
0: No squirrels?
1: Dude, I swear... I walked last year, probably the furthest I've ever walked in some local woods by my house that I've grown up as a kid and used to shoot backpack fulls of them, like shoot my limit, not knowing even what I'm doing. Yeah. I ain't not even fire a shot. Really? I didn't even see a squirrel. I huh. have not seen a squirrel besides in the local park. I used to terrorize them with a slingshot, but I can't <laughs> do that no more. No, it's kind of frowned upon as an older guy.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> I love squirrels though I love to eat them Oh yeah Squirrels are delicious Oh man I got them right here At the house I mean Oh I guarantee dude, you Dude last yeah. year For this, for Ida right Hurricane Ida There was a A tree that fell Right here in front of my house And it had some baby squirrels That was in it And I walked outside And I heard them squeaking During the storm I mean it was like The heart of the storm It was terrible It was horrible I mean it sounded like demons were coming out of heaven or something. And like, I mean, even though demons don't really come out of heaven, but demons are coming out of hell, I guess I'll say. And just like, it was just horrible out there. All right, let's just put it that way. And I heard the squirrels squeaking. So I went out in the storm with a flashlight and I found them, brought them inside, put them in a box, kept them warm, got them dry again, you know? And uh, uh, the next morning, I have a squirrel feeder right here in this oak tree. And I started looking around and I was like, all right, squirrels usually have multiple nests just in case something happens. So I looked up, I I saw where the nest was and I looked, there's another nest that was in this tree. It was on the ground too, but there was hair in it, but I didn't see no babies. So I said, okay, either the mom already came and got these babies out of this nest or that's the second nest to the same mom. So I put them on top of my squirrel feeder on my oak tree right here. And, dude, like 15 minutes later, her mom came down and got him. That's pretty cool. That fast. She found them and got him. That's pretty cool. Yep. So, and you know, all these people that find squirrels that's falling on the ground, just leave them there, bro. Just leave yeah. them there. Mama will find them. Yeah. I never thought in a million years that squirrels are that smart and that, you know, that they, they communicate that well, but they do. They're smart, man. They're crafty little suckers. Yeah. Animals are so much smarter than people in some ways yeah for sure like it, human beings have to be taught how to do everything squirrels like, like squirrels like animals in general they like, just know it's like they just know
1: they live their life at trying to escape a predator
0: yes uh, that's that's one thing about like any kind of you know uh you know herbivore or something it's just it, they have especially like deer that's why it's so it's so cool to me to see people kill like mature bucks and stuff. Because that animal is completely geared to evade you. That animal's entire makeup is to evade a predator, including a human. And yet somehow you were able to fool it enough. An animal that old and wise, you were able to fool it. Yeah. That's impressive. Deer that's where un- that's where I
1: respect somebody who deer hunts. Yeah. Like really good and I deer don't hunters? Respect
0: Deer stand, feeder watchers. Yeah. Real good deer hunters. Um, Like, I have to say, like, the hunting public really does this. I don't know if you watch any of their YouTube videos. They're incredible, man. Uh, They go on public land, and they really, you know, figure these deer out. Yeah, those dudes are. They're they're good, man. I have to say. Got to give them credit where credit's due. What they do, I think, is way harder than what we do. Those guys that go out and shoot big, mature deer on public land, I have to give it to them, man. They're like they're the best hunters, I think, out of everybody. No doubt. You know, because they're dealing with an animal that is completely geared to evade, evade them, and not be caught, not be seen. And yet they killed mature bugs. You know, I think what we do is you know, animal that all you really got to do is hide. They're not gonna smell you. You know, they're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna hear you. That you just gotta be out of their sight, and you gotta make your decoys look realistic and match what you see in the wild, and you kill ducks. But deer are something totally different, man. So I gotta, I gotta give it to the deer hunters, man. They, they take the, they take the crown when it comes to best, best hunters, you know. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what none of this has to do with duck hunting. We're just sitting here talking.
1: You still do uh, face paint?
0: No, I don't do the face paint.
1: Remember we face paint? I, I used to
0: do it. I used to do it just for, like, fun, I guess. I don't know. Part of it, huh? I guess it was just part of growing up, I guess. Learning that, like, man, you build a good blind, you don't need all of that stuff. I remember my dad, when I started out
1: on my own, was, like, instilled me with the paranoia that ducks see your eyelids and stuff, and you got to face paint, you got to face paint, and that was something they always did, and I was, like, kind of really believed it and stuff.
0: Dude, I don't know, man. I just... I've, I've, I've switched so much from like being that guy that thinks every little thing really matters in duck hunting and I've switched completely. I mean, you, you watch our videos and you see a lot of times we don't have a great blind, man. Like a lot of times we're just off in the shadows or off to the side. Mm-hmm. Especially when we're when we hunting an area that doesn't have a lot of tall grass where we can't necessarily hide, especially for like federal property where you can't even cut brush. You can't really disturb any of the of the the vegetation,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so I can't just go and cut a bunch of brush and throw it on top of me. I have to find already dead brush to use. You can't pull that stuff up. So, but what I found is ways to adapt to that. You know, a lot of times we hunt a crosswind. We hunt with the with the sun in a certain way where it's kind of casting a shadow over us, and you mm-hmm. do just fine like that. A lot of times, hunting a crosswind keeps them birds from looking at you. Yeah. You know, it makes them look past you.
1: Extra spooky birds, i rather hunt across crosswind for if, sure. If they're
0: coming straight at you, they have more time to find you. They're looking straight at you while they're coming into the decoys. You're in their line of sight. If you put that crosswind on, on them, they, they're looking at open water. They're not looking at the land, necessarily. Um, you know, it, it just, it's just one of those little tips for people. That if you got short grass and you can't really hide, hunt across crosswind. Try that. We find it to be very effective. If I can hunt across one on a small pond, you know, in short grass, that's what I try to do. Um, yeah, you know, um, I don't know. Get away from the mud boat. Yeah, I,
1: I definitely don't hunt out of the boat too often. I have a mud boat. I'm with the mud boat. I'm getting away from it
0: if I can. It's so much better. I love it. I, I like the quiet too. I like the quiet of like going paddling to pick up my ducks. You know, or sitting on a dog or something, you know, to pick up the ducks. But you know, that mud boat is just loud. Everything's you always got a noise you can't really hear. I don't know. It's just something about being able to hear nature when you're out there. I like better. It's easier to hide, less extensive of a blind. Yeah, that too. You could always pick up and move with a Rogue blind. You can't really pick up and move with a giant boat blind.
1: Later in the season, man, like I used to have a pop-up blind on my boat. I don't like them no more. You don't don't use one no more? No. It was nice in certain WMAs to pull up in a lily pad patch and throw up and this and that and Mm kind of stick and move type deal. Yeah. But it's kind of one of those things that, like, these ducks are picking up on this crap. They yeah. see it enough. There's no more hiding it. So now it's getting to the point of you have a pop-up blind, you still have to build a blind. Like, there was times, that, like I said, pull up in a lily pad patch, grab a handful of lilies from another lily pad patch, throw it on front deck, back deck, on the blind itself, and hunt. Yeah.
0: You no
1: know, No cutting willows, series, None of that. Now you got a cut brush. You have to build a legit blind and use your pop up blind. Well, then it's ineffective at that point. Yeah, you
0: might as well just hunt in the blind, not with the pop up. And then the pop up gets hung up on the blind when you're trying to come in and out of it to go pick up birds. Yeah, like you got to drop it and this and that. It
1: becomes kind of a pain and stuff. And yeah. man, th- these ducks are literally looking for everything that's not normal.
0: Yeah. It's. It, that's. I think that's kind of what I've, you know, over the, over the last few years, I've gotten away from making things complicated, but really and truly it's about, I want to be mobile more than anything. I want to yeah. be able to pack up and move if I have to. And I don't want to feel, uh, I don't want to have to feel like I'm stuck hunting in a spot because that's where I set up that morning, mm-hmm. you know? That's why a lot of times you see in my videos we're just kind of pulled up on the bank at the, with the P-Rogs and we're just hunting like that because at any point I can push off, throw those decoys in my P-Rog and move 200 yards and get reset up again. And I can do that in 10 minutes. I can get set up again. And that, that's, you know, if you got a, if you got a big blind that you built, you spent two, three hours, you know, brushing up a blind, you can't, you can't pick that up and move last minute. If you have to. You can't you can't move. So You must have got an interesting text message. <laughs> yeah. The face you gave me. I,
1: I've been guilty of it, man, and of I got a hunt I got a mud boat, I'm a hunt out of a mud boat. And hunting Venice kind of put me on this was there'd be times I would scout birds there's literally no way to hunt it out of a mud bow. Mm-hmm. Only option is let's go build a blind out in the middle of open water. Well, congratulations, you might as well hunt with a red flag next to you. Mm-hmm. Ain't gonna work. Yeah. And, or have a cut grass patch, and I stick my boat on there. One, sand, propellers are expensive, tearing up my, my boat motor. Then gotta worry about tide drops out, which in Venice within five minutes you can go from three foot of water to none. All right. Same with the wax the chafalaya, so you know. You kinda gotta be mobile. You need to be mobile. Mm-hmm. And um,
0: So the pop up line would is you know, in theory it would be nice, but the problem be, is, is yeah. they're getting they're getting, you know. Yeah. They're understanding that. That's they're understanding.
1: Not real. They're reading it. Yes. They're they're two steps ahead of you, because you got to think. In the beginning of surface drives weren't so popular, and then all of a sudden, you know, here, here come a pop up line. It was like, wow, this is pretty cool. This is neat. These ducks were kind of like, you know, didn't adapt to it. Yeah. Mud boats are getting more popular so as a pop- up, pop-up line they're seeing these things from up north to south louisiana and that's the hardest thing for people i don't think people understand that really is how educated these birds are from state to state yeah you go up to you know south dakota north dakota and those birds are different yeah by the time they get here...
0: They've seen it all.
1: We got legit Ivy League ducks. <laughs> like, yeah. These ducks got certificates. Got and that's why I think a lot of the
0: people <laughs> up north, they say a gadwall is stupid. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, I don't think a gadwall is, is, is stupid necessarily, but I do think that they haven't seen quite as much yet. You know, once they get to those guys and then they get down here, they've seen so much. They've been educated. Um... You know, I think that's part of the problem, you know, with what Gadwalls are whenever they get down here, especially once they get down here and they get comfortable. You know, that's, the, that's another thing, too, is they get comfortable down here. And once they figure out where they're not getting shot at, that's where they keep going, you know, and they start overshooting you and they start, I'm not going to go there. That's questionable. And then they go land in the open water where they've never been shot at. All right. You know, and they say, Oh, well, I know I've never been shot here. But I've seen Gadwall already hunting a big bay, land next to a crab court. It's like nothing out there except for (laughs) a crab pork. They land right next to it. Why? Don't know. That thing doesn't look like a duck, but it looks like something. And they say, oh, okay, well, that looks like uh, another creature. I'm going to go land down there with that. That's a bird sitting down there, so they go land by it. It it doesn't look any better than my decoys, I can promise you that. But it's way out in the middle of nowhere, and there's no land, there's no blind, there's no nothing. That's where they want to be, you know? And that's just not how they behave, you know, in certain states up the flyway. You know. Hell no, man. I love duck hunting, though. I can't wait. I can't wait to November. I know I'm excited about September. You know, last year we had the hurricane and we had the baby. I wasn't focused on teal season at all at this time last year. But this year, I'm fired up. I'm fired up. That's all I can think about is a teal right now.
1: I hate to say it, but I think I look more forward to teal season than I do big duck
0: season. It's less stressful. I think that's what it is. You know it's all fun. It, it is. And teal season's all fun. And it's, it's getting the rust broken off, you know? And yeah.
1: Getting to see where you're at on your shooting. Usually pretty bad. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest.
0: I usually suck during teal season.
1: Yeah, especially open the morning. I don't care what anybody says. You can practice on skeet all you want. A skeet is, you could take the best skeet shot on this earth, and mm-hmm. he will struggle on ducks. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I don't know. It's all fun. Missing ducks is fun, too.
1: Yeah. Just, that,
0: that's just part of it. That's just part of it. I just live with it, whatever. I don't care. I miss. Everybody misses. I don't care. Yeah. Except the difference is mine's all on video. But everybody sees all of this.
1: It's documented. It's I, I think that's one of the best things about duck hunting. You're with your buddies. You know that, hey, somebody might have a bad day, and um, that's that's the day that you get to rib on them and stuff, and
0: yeah. what,
1: the camaraderie of what's it. What's
0: your favorite part of duck hunting? <clears throat> I would say of you know, the whole process. The entire process, like planning, throwing decoys, the boat ride out there, um, you know, that first flock in the morning, watching ducks at work, when they finish over the decoys, the shot, the shooting, uh, or the, you know, going pick up the ducks, or, uh, you know, holding up that strap of ducks at the end of the hunt, uh, the whole, or sharing your pictures on social media. What is your favorite part of duck hunting?
1: Well, that's definitely the last, the least thing, because that, that's got me in more trouble than anything. What, Sharon? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm not going to even post anything this year.
0: Well, I think you waited till late second split to post your pictures this past year or something like that, huh?
1: Yeah, I kind of like posted open in the morning, and then it was like sporadic, like, yeah, this is what I've been shooting.
0: Yeah, I know. I know you did like a photo dump at some point.
1: Yeah, that was that third split when I did the third split was a green light. People were big mad, huh? Yeah, I don't know what it is. If you can kill a mallard in Louisiana, it's like you
0: you can become locally hated. I don't know why. And it's like three mallards or something. Yeah. Well, Mine were like pet mallards, and I was still getting accused of feeding. <laughs> right? <laughs> Dude, they accused me of feeding. was the like, they were saying, you're feeding ducks. I'm like in tidal marsh on public land and i'm moving every other day but yet i'm feeding why would i move if i'm feeding why wouldn't i hunt the same spots it's like i don't know Or how about this if you hunt where the food already is you don't have to feed (laughs) i don't know anyways what's your favorite part of duck hunting
1: i would have to say dude would be calling and working ducks that is that in between dog work, but like stuff, dog work is, that's, that's on the dog. That's, you know, yeah. if you hunt with a good dog. It's, it's just fun. But for me, it really is working ducks. Like, yeah. decoying ducks to the water. I'm yeah. not talking about, you know, getting a pass over. It is so satisfying when I have convinced the duck that is not even interested in me, giving me those, Ten passes and putting him right next to those pieces of plastic and making him, can finally convincing that duck to sit his butt on the water and like, hey, I have taken a duck that's been shot at from all the way at the top to all the way down here and made him believe, and no telling how many times that duck's been in those hunting situations. I have convinced this duck, I am a real duck. Mm-hmm. And whether we miss him or not, you know, that it sucks matter, when eh? it misses, but that is my favorite part. Like, working ducks on a call, that's, that's my favorite part.
0: Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there, man. Um, I don't know about the working them with the call, but um, my favorite part of duck hunting is just watching them commit. When I know they've gave it up. They've given it up, and they're coming in. That whole process of watching that wing beat go to a glide and the landing gear come out, oh, and yeah. they swoop all the way down to the back of those decoys, that is my favorite part of duck
1: hunting. When them wings just give that little, that little curl little in that curl buckle. in there, yeah. And they give that, and you, you see them feet
0: pop up. When I see that landing gear come out, that's my favorite part of duck hunting. Oh, you can't yeah. beat it. Yeah, that to me, and I don't, nothing else matters. Like I don't care about the strap of ducks. I don't care about none of that. Look, I ain't gonna lie. I I do like holding up that strap of ducks at the end of the duck hunt. Like holding it up, like this is what we've accomplished. Right, but. That's still just nothing beats that image that's imprinted in my brain of a, of a committed duck. That is just that's what makes my heart race.
1: Yeah, you know, I it's crazy because I get asked this question a lot. Like, what, what, what is it that that drives you to it? Like, it's a duck. Mm-hmm. Like you go shoot a deer, you get way more meat. Yeah, well, understandable. Yeah, but I don't know. There's
0: yeah. that that. It's it's indescribable. I think it's the mystery of it. You never know what is coming in. You don't. If you're hunting white-tailed deer, you're hunting white-tailed deer. Correct. That thing could be 160-inch deer. It could be a doe. But it's still a white-tailed deer. Still a white-tailed deer. In duck hunting, dude, I've shot blue-winged teal on the same hunt. I've shot scoters. Right. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You have no idea what's coming in next. They're a winged waterfowl bird. Right. They can go wherever they want. That means you can get, I mean, you can literally, you, you shot a double banded mallard already in your life, right? Shot a cinnamon teal last year for teal season. So I'm too. saying. You shot a cinnamon teal. You shot double banded mallards. You don't know what is coming in. No. And that's to that to me is one of the best parts of waterfowl hunting. is just a mystery. Shot a banded teal the day before and shot the last,
1: Three birds of that hunt was two cinnamons and and a blue wing come in. And it's just like, yeah, that's the thing. You really don't know. (laughs) You really don't know. You don't know what you're going to see.
0: That, and I think there's an art to it that I don't think is really. There's an art to deer hunting too, don't get me wrong. But, like, placing a good decoy spread is an art. Building a duck blind is an art. Blowing a duck call is an art. You know, these things are, are all, to me, like another art form. And you just, I don't find you necessarily get all that when it comes to deer hunting, you know. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, man. And I'm not not—I'm not a deer hunting hater, man. I like deer hunting, too, don't get me wrong. But I just think waterfowl hunting has a real special place in my heart that I just don't think it would ever be replaced by anything else.
1: And it's crazy, man, because it's, it's not even about, like, like I showed you earlier on Snapchat, that song I was listening to it is legit just like a random song, but to me, it's like wheels are turning. The early morning, two o'clock in the morning, gas station stops to get your favorite energy drink and junk food snack. And <laughs> you know, you yeah. and your buddies, you're grabbing honey buns and raisin pies or whatever it may yeah. be. Um, and like, that's part of it and you know just running ragged i mean i know you know what it feels like yeah. to get to that end of that season where you're like ready for it to be over you're ready for it to be over but you're still pushing on you're like like i don't want it to be over but i'm kind of in a sense ready for it
0: like we just need a break like if they just let us have a break for like 3 weeks it yeah. would be good because I know, like, this is what happens. The splits happens to me.
1: never are long enough for that, no, like,
0: breather. You no. know. <laughs> I think, like, what what happens to me is the end of season comes, and I'm I'm glad, like, I'm like, all right, finally, I can just like, oh yeah, uh, like, take, I can sleep, I can finally sleep, mm. and then three weeks later, I'm like, man, I wish it would come back, because yeah. it's still cold. Hold, hold on, hold. all right, hang on, I'm gonna take a break for a second, y'all. One second. I ain't holding on to nothing. We recording again. All right, y'all, we're back. I uh, my wife was in the next room and she's uh, talking kind of loud, so I had to go tell her to stop talking so loud. I'm sure y'all heard it. But these microphones pick up a lot, dude. Eric sending a text message. It looks like it's a juicy one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> these women, huh? got to be a woman.
1: You nailed it, baby.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Two weeks out. Two weeks out of the teal season. I cannot believe it's here. I feel, honestly, I feel like this off season went fast. How about you, Eric? You think this off season went fast? Thank God it did. Yeah, I don't know why. This offseason went the fastest. and I think it might be because I just had a kid this time last year. Maybe that's why. Because it felt like she grew up fast that's what I feel like I feel like she grew up like in the blink of an eye. And so I guess it's the same it's the same thing, you know.
1: I'm at a sense with my little girl because she's dude, and look. I've kind of like ingrained it in her brain like when I used to watch her cuz I was working a weird work schedule. Yeah. And I would watch her and I legit put Duck Hunting on and not cartoons like she's with dad we're watching Duck Hunting. Yeah, I'm watching Duck Hunting. <laughs> but it's entertaining her cuz loud noises, gunshots, yeah. action on TV. As a baby, they don't know. They just like, "Ooh, ooh." And my my little two-year-old will sit down with me and watch duck hunting with me till 12 o'clock in the morning if I let her in. You know, she's running around me and my dad watching duck hunting or, you know, I'm watching duck hunting and she's right there with it. Like, she's wow. in it. She's been playing with duck calls since she was a baby. She, she knows the different duck calls. Like, if I tell her to grab, grab a gray duck call, she's not to grab a gray duck call. She's not grabbing the mallard call. She knows what the whistle is. And it's, I'm at that point where... She's so into it. Like she sees a bird flying, she's telling me, Dad, duck. <laughs> and uh I'm kinda at that point, like I want her to grow up a little so I can start taking her, but yeah. I don't want her to you
0: grow up too fast. Grow up too fast. You wanna enjoy her while she's still a toddler. Right. How um, old is she now? She's two. Yeah, you wanna you wanna keep her a toddler as long as possible, right?
1: Man, I'm excited for it. I'll be honest with you. That like, that's gonna that's gonna add a whole new meaning of duck hunting.
0: I just made one. So don't, she hasn't started talking yet or anything. Don't she, she's blink. She's saying words, but she's not like... Yeah. She ain't saying nothing. She's just talking. Don't you know? blink. Well, I'm trying not to. You know, but I tell you what, this last year went by fast. And it does, man. It seems like the older we get, the quicker it goes. It's. I think that's the real thing. And I guess because, like, I mean, think about it like this, right? So if you're 10... So you're, well, let's just say you're five years old, right? And then a year is one-fifth of your whole life, right? That's a one-whole-fifth of your life. But when you're, you know, 25, a year is a 25th of your life This is the life that you've lived so far. So, like, I guess it does feel a lot longer when you're younger. A year going by it feels like a lot longer. I never longer thought younger.
1: of it that way. That's pretty... Yeah. Pretty crazy way to think about it. Well,
0: think about it. When you're 50, a year is only 1 50th of your life. A year is nothing when you're 50. Yeah. So I think that has something to do with it. It's just the time seems to fly by faster and faster because I think that you just, you know, you're used to a year flying by so fast, boom, boom, boom. The years just start flying. And then also, you know, you're having fun and you're always busy with these dang kids. And once you have a kid, it's like boom, 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 boom. It seems like it's just going, a month goes by so fast. You know, I mean, this off season has flown by. I've never seen an offseason fly by this fast till I had a kid. I don't know why. I feel like duck season fly
1: by, flies by fast now. Yeah. Like, I remember I used to, like, skip weekends and this and that. It feel like an eternity of duck yeah. season. 60 days is just quick now, you know? Yeah, like, it
0: is. Yeah, I really tried to soak up last year. I made it a point to last duck season to really soak it in really try to enjoy it, not take it for granted, and I tried to hunt as much as I possibly could Mm -hmm. last year. That's something that I usually, you know, I would take a few days off. You know, I'd go, ah, weather ain't perfect, I'm not going to go. Last year, I hunted every weather, every day I possibly could. I mean, unless it was thunderstorming, I went hunting. I hunted in the rain last year, but I ain't. I won't hunt. Like, if it's lightning real bad, I won't hunt, but... I mean, if uh, if it's raining, I'll go hunting. And I used see, to not do that.
1: See, that's what sucks about hunting Venice is. I love dirty weather days or treacherous wind days, and this and that. And like last year was so limited because, you know, my back of shots really didn't have birds. So like those terrible weather days, like yeah, I'm not making that trek. Yeah, I really didn't have nowhere to hunt, and it kind of left me in like asked out situations and like there was days in venice that the tides were so bad you couldn't even you couldn't even go hunt your spots because yeah. they, the tides would just controlling a lot of things last year and last year was real tough for that reason um and like we don't have the option like if we don't have decent weather because you might go down on good weather but dude you get stuck on bad weather, you're not coming back yeah. unless you're uh you know you're you're willing to risk your life and that that's never yeah it's never a good option, like dude crossing the river, yeah people think that crossing the river is, I know more people that went down crossing that river. I've witnessed somebody sink a boat yeah crossing the river that's a terrible thing because honestly the 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 river was so bad that none of us should have went out. We turned around, we'd have went down, too. So it was kind of one of those situations where we had to run across the river and sit and watch our buddies and hope that they made it. I'll never get that. That that ruined me for a long time with Venice. It made me not go hunt Venice.
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. that's, that's catchy, dude. Yeah, I know people that went in that river before. That sunk their boat in that river. Well, You know the guy, uh, what's his name, Matt something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know Matt. He watched I watched him sink. Oh, you watched them sink? Watched that day? him sink. They're so lucky, dude. i are so I, lucky to be alive right now. It was me and Dalton and we were the lead boat. We had the quicker boat and Dalton has hunted way more than them over there. Yeah. We're running across and I'll never forget it. I had it was just the waves of breaking over the front of the boat and he had that hydro flat and Dalton told him he had a he had you know how they had the motor covers on the carburetor motors. Yeah. Well, he told him, uh, don't take that motor cover off. He had the the aftermarket carburetor. He was like, the, the water's gonna be splashing if it hits your air filter and it sucks it in your carburetor, it'll shut your motor down.
0: Yeah.
1: And he didn't like it. He didn't want to run it. And yeah. Dalton's like, all right, I can't tell you nothing. You're older than me. Yeah. And we're running out. And I'll never forget that I had a rain jacket on. And I had my head down and I'm turned looking at Dalton and I'm looking at the back of the boat and I, I picked the rain jacket up just like that and I watched that boat go. Straight like just p- what happened was This this wave wave come over the back, shut the motor that, off. That's it,
0: that's okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spun the
1: boat and I mean they went down like and thankfully there was a crew boat, watched it happen. And they got saved they got taken to pilot town and they they clothed them in this and that and
0: they got lucky, lucky, lucky. Like I don't even think they realize how lucky they are to be alive. We couldn't stop. Yeah, no, you can't. If you stop, you're going right down with them. We went right down with them. Yeah. And Dalton was a teenager
1: at the time, like sixteen
0: years old. Man, unless you old. can stay running and scoop them up on the way, you can't. You can't go in there and save them. No, because you can't. You can't risk sinking your own boat. And and that's you know? a big
1: thing about Venice, you know. Is that river? It's whether you're crossing it, running down it. Doesn't matter, yeah. There's unobscene instructions that pop up. There's sandbars that run 200 yards off the bank in the river. That'll mm-hmm. stop you in your tracks if you're an outboard. Um, there's just, it's a dangerous place, man. I, I'll be honest with you, I really don't like hunting it because yeah. of the danger factor. You know, I mean, it It really is a scary place. Well, no, You pick your days. Yeah. It seems days. and you know what's crazy and I say this all the time is some of our best duck hunting places on our public lands are the most dangerous places. Yeah. The chaff, Venice, the wax. Yeah. It's those three are dangerous. Yep. I, I hate the wax for the fact of crossing their intercoastal.
0: Yeah, I mean intercoastal is uh you just gotta be careful. But then I mean, you shoot straight across. You just gotta watch, make sure there's no boats coming. Right. Crew boats come through there. It's
1: not as bad as the Chafalaya. Chafalaya's is sketchy.
0: Yeah, no, Chafalaya's is sketchy because of the dang sandbars. You know, but they also got boats and ships that come up that river too.
1: I don't like none of it.
0: <laughs> no, but uh, but the the wax, you know, is really just about that tide for the most part. That's the main thing about the wax. If you don't know. You don't know nothing about the wax, man. Don't go down there and just anchor your boat anywhere. You'll Venice, stuck is, all Venice night. is
1: very much the same way, dude. Yeah,
0: yeah. Venice is very similar. And Once see, you get out there.
1: See, so many local people. Well, not local people. I've seen, we had some guys last year from Homa. They're not killing no ducks. Where are they hunting at? Didn't really ask them. We shot a few birds, and they went out blind. They showed up. they going to go out blind, and I'm like, well, I don't want to tell them any spots, you know, but I don't want these guys to have a ruined hunt. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of like didn't say much. And then after that morning, kind of like was like, uh, I need to put these guys on game because I personally, as a as good hearted person, wouldn't feel well if mm-hmm. they've, you know, just have an unsafe trip or they're asked out and you know, Venice can be, there's people will pass you up stuck like Chuck. And yeah. it sucks, it really does. But I mean, that is something like, that's why we do a lot of this early season scouting, yeah. learning sandbars and what's mud and what's what's navigable for our boats and what's not. I mean, I'm I'm guilty. I got a video on my phone running down a canal that I've ran countless times I mean since I was beginning a duck hunting I used to go with George upriver and running this canal just cruising and next thing you know I turn the corner and there's no more canal because Hurricane done pushed up a sandbar that then grew a a rozo patch and had to slide the boat and Hmm. dip it off into the rosos and I was an hour getting the boat out and that is you know that's somewhere I've ran I can't even tell you how many
0: times yeah that's something I don't think we talked about enough is, is when we mentioned that you you like to get out there early uh, you know in, in August, September, and go go you know kind of start your scouting process, but I mean you're not necessarily obviously you're not scouting where the ducks are, like the traditional scouting method. well yeah. what kind of things are you looking for when you, when you go out there in August to, to you know, scout for big duck season. Because a lot of people will probably think that's silly. Why are you scouting in August for big duck season? Oh, I get What it. kind of things are you looking for that help you during big duck season in August?
1: Navigable waterways. One, Venice is just the worst on equipment. Mm-hmm. You Used to hunt around the house. One propeller a season. Mm. I'm going, last year, I think I went through almost $1,000 in propellers. Wow. I literally burnt one up, a brand new one, in five minutes last year. When you scout in Venice, August, September, just like anywhere, you're going to have high water. So judge that high water. Learn that. Take a push-pull. If this pond's four foot, okay, you might experience a two to three foot drop during big duck season. Yeah. So if this pond's four foot and it's sand bottom, it's probably not navigable. probably not even smart to put the boat in there because like i said hard cold front in a a low tide and it's sand you're you're done um finding the sandbars finding the channels that you can run where's the sandbars at in those channels right now you can run all that yeah like i said judge it with a spud pole push pole use that to your advantage um looking for areas that you know, if you are gonna hunt out of your boat, you wanna you want the mud bottom yeah. so you can get in and out. Um, paying attention to the crab corks. Very, very. I got put on that by a local guy. You follow crab corks, you'll always be able to get out. You start venturing away from crab corks, get shallow. You might get shallow. You might get stuck. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that I really look for.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, food sources those I mean that's the biggest thing right now like you go to the wax right now is your time to go to the wax if you really want to learn to hunt the wax because you want to you've hunted it you want to see what's navigable what's not yeah and things
0: change right now you're
1: you're able to go run over those sandbars because you got high waters Mm -hmm. come big duck season you already got that in your gps you already got that in your your phone map for your backup you got it in your brain Hey look, this is probably this uh, this pond might be great pond to go check out for big duck season, but you know, can I even get to it? Um, what canals have had grow ups, you know? Just yesterday I went scout spot by my house and flotons, once that crab dies, it becomes so entangled you might not even be able to get to it. Right. So, you know, things like that is what I'm doing. And, and I'm also ready to get into the field and yeah. start putting that extra time in and stuff. And time on the water is, you know, your homework. Yeah. You're, you're basically educating yourself on what you can and can't do. Because come big duck season, that's when you always got your, your toughest conditions. Yeah. You know, you want to be able to have those back pocket A, Bs, and Cs. You know, you don't want to have just A, and then right. you're screwed on B, or you have no
0: B. Well, that's good stuff. Let me, uh, let's take a break for a second, because I got I to gotta replace the batteries in this recorder. So, y'all hang on a second. All right, you guys, we're back. Sorry about all the breaks, but this podcast is like two hours long, so you're going to get breaks if I got to go two hours on the podcast, especially when I'm drinking beer.
1: Bathroom breaks are essential. Mm-hmm.
0: Ah, yummy. Uh, anyways, yeah, so we were talking about, you know, your summertime preparations and stuff like that. And I think that's all interesting because I think that's something that a lot of people don't really do is, is getting out in the summertime and, and looking at where they're going to be hunting at this coming duck season. And I think this year down here in southeast Louisiana, that's that's a big thing I think everybody should be doing because we had Hurricane Ida come through. A lot of things opened up during the season last year. And then what you have is a lot of new growth in aquatic vegetation in areas where they're not. They hadn't really grown years before. A lot of things changed. I think everybody should be doing their homework right now, and me, myself included, which I haven't done much of. I think in October, I'll probably spend a lot of time relearning waterways, relearning uh, access. October, I think I'll spend a lot of time out there. I'll yeah. be doing it too in October again. <laughs> but, yeah, good stuff, man, good tips. You got any uh, major goals this coming year for duck season? Yeah.
1: I had to say I wanna be I wanna be more um like I wanna be more open to different scenarios and I'm already open to a lot of scenarios but I wanna just keep evolving and being more open in different scenarios.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um you know, taking for what you taking what you get and being more happier with it, I have gotten caught up in the whole limit thing or being a great up purist <laughs> right right, <laughs> which is hard not to um
0: but last year humbled you a bit, just say it, huh last year humbled you didn't it a
1: hundred percent.
0: You had a tough year. You killed a lot of ducks. I want to make that very clear. You killed a lot of ducks last year. Yeah. But I know you. you they made you work for it more than they have in the past.
1: Not passing on those uh, buffalo heads and this and that. You know what? This year, if it comes in and it gives me the opportunity, if I'm able to shoot it, I'm shooting it. Except yeah. for meganzas. I ain't shooting those. <laughs> I just... I, Kill it, eat it, rule. Like, there's no reason to shoot them. Yeah, let let the flying fish go. (laughs) Just flying fish, lawn darts, whatever you
0: want to call them. Flying cans of tuna. Yeah, nasty critters. Yeah, they are pretty gross. I ain't gonna lie. I've I've been able to make every kind of duck taste good. Every duck. Not that I've not been able to make the merganser taste. No, you ain't making it. I've tried, man. I've tried. Uh, it's just not my thing.
1: More power to you for trying.
0: <laughs> I've tried, man. Look, I, I, no, I've even eaten a scoter I thought it tasted okay. Really? It was okay. It wasn't. It wasn't good. It wasn't like, dude. You know, like a ring neck is okay. I like a ring neck. Ring neck's pretty good. Alright, uh, duckery is pretty, pretty good. Alright, gray duck I think is really good. Mallard I think is really good. Any puddle duck is, is delicious to me. Even a spoonie. You know, people talk crap about a spoonie. It's gross. It's, it's that. The spoonie don't taste no different than a blue-winged teal to me. I think a green-winged teal and a wood duck and a whistling duck probably taste the best to me. And then everything else. Ducks, yeah. And then everything else tastes the same. I can me. agree. A gray duck. A, 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 now, nah, a pintail is delicious.
1: And see, I don't see the difference in a pintail yeah, I and a
0: gray duck, really. Well, at least, well, all right. So, here's the deal. I don't keep all the skin on all of my public dogs. But I do, for certain dishes, I keep the skin on some. Because yeah. I like to do them a certain way where I keep the skin on them. I kept the skin on the, pintail, the last pintail that I ate. Freaking delicious, dude. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the fat. Maybe it was whatever rendered out of that skin. That was just delicious. And it made that breast taste like... Flamingo, real It really? was delicious. It was so, so good. I mean, I think it's a good bird, but I don't
1: I don't see the difference between that and a gray duck.
0: Well, I, I generally don't see the difference between a gray duck and a widgeon or a mallard or, or a model duck, anything like that. But that pintail that I cooked last year, and I cooked it with the skin on, I seared it in a pan on both sides, 80 at medium rare. Delicious, dude. That was that was one of the best ducks I ever had in my life. No okay. kidding. Maybe it was just the way I cooked it. I don't know. But it was so delicious. So I I mean, I don't know. But I don't even forgot what the heck I was talking about. We're talking about goals for this season. Goals. Yeah. Go ahead. You said you wanna be more All right, yeah, I remember now. You talked about how you uh you weren't passing on ducks this past year. So you no. wanna be more open this year to like I guess more uh, different styles of hunting is, I guess, what you're saying? Like, Yeah. You want to be more, like, uh, mobile, I guess? Wanna be yeah, more... I
1: want to be more mobile. Um, just keep adding stuff to the arsenal, um, trying, continuously trying different things. Like, me and you talked the other day about my idea for sandbar hunting.
0: Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Do you want to touch on that a little bit, or you want to keep that to yourself?
1: We're going to keep that one
0: ourselves. Okay, all right, that's cool um but
1: trying to be more open to different things and you know utilizing different styles i guess you could say um taking from maybe some up north things like i think it's how many people do you know hunt out of a layout blind in the marsh you do that a lot mm-hmm. That is something that I found very intriguing, and yeah. it's something I've never really tried. And yeah.
0: a lot of a lot of people don't hunt with the layout blinds in the marsh that I find, but uh, I mean, it just made a lot of sense. I mean, I, that's something that I had done from years back. You remember when we were hunting on the coast down south South Homa.
1: Yeah, uh, we were making homemade layout blinds yeah, we down were. there.
0: A lot of times we were hunting out of turkey chairs and stuff out there, yeah. getting real low to the ground because man, that marsh grass is not very tall. I mean, it's only like waist high.
1: No, and so those what do, birds what do, you do
0: you can't. You can't sit on a bucket. They're going to spot you every time. So we had to find a way to get lower. And what most people did is they hunted out of like a, you know, a lawn chair type chair, you know, a regular hunting chair, or they get a bench blind and they build up a big blind around it. But that just sticks out like a sore thumb out there on that flat marsh. And so we decided to start hunting out of turkey chairs. <coughs> one of the funniest things was one of the guys we took hunting, they had that metal folding chair. Remember he shot the legs off of it?
1: Oh, I'll never forget it. That was the weekend I killed my first grade duck too.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think you and him both killed your first grade duck that yeah. weekend. Yeah, they had one of those metal folding chairs. Like, I mean, just imagine like a metal folding chair, you know, like your typical, uh, I don't know, chair you'd sit on at a, at a party, like outdoor, like a barbecue or something. Yeah. Well, he, he wanted to make that to where it was more shallow. Like, you could, you could put that seat all the way down on the ground, so he shot the legs off of it. <laughs> that, that was the funniest thing ever. Dude, so much reckless stuff happened at that campground that, like, I don't even know.
1: Remember Sheldon almost setting his boat on fire? Or he set Jordan? the whole
0: island on fire. <laughs> he set the whole island. We had an island that we camped on, y'all, where, you know, we, we pitched tents and everything. And we had all our boats docked up right there. Well, I was actually out hunting.
1: Yeah, we were we were. Hunting. Me
0: and you were hunting, yeah. We were I couldn't coming. remember who I was with, but It was, it was yeah. me. Yeah. We were hunting together, and all of a sudden we were riding in, and we saw black smoke coming from the island that we camp on. And I'm like, "What is? What are they burning over there? They must be burning like a, you know, something plastic or something." I didn't know what it was. We pulled up over there, and man, these guys are drunker and cooler brown. And uh, on a
1: Sunday, on
0: a, yeah, <laughs> these guys are tore up. Man, we pull up and we're like, "What on earth are y'all doing? What is this?" And I mean, the whole island was charred. It was just black, just burnt. I mean, all the underbrush was burnt. The trees were burnt. I said, what did y'all do? One of the guys, he uh, he had a gas tank, and he was trying to light a fire on the island. And uh, the gas tank caught on fire, and instead of just, like, putting it out like a, like a normal person would, he started slinging it all around. I don't even know what he was thinking. Throwing the gas <laughs> the gas can around while it was on fire, so it was catching everything on fire. And he threw, threw it, it in it, the just, boat. He tried to throw it in the water, and he threw it in the boat. Yeah. Caught the whole boat on fire. <laughs> goes in there, throws it in the water. And then my other buddy who was there was realized that was his gas can and he wasn't going to be able to make it back to the launch without the gas. <laughs> so it was a mess, but God, they lit the whole island on fire just from that one gas can. I yeah. mean, dude, I remember, i never forget pulling up black smoke coming off the island. I said, what on earth did y'all manage to do? We left y'all here for one evening hunt and this is what y'all did. <laughs> I mean, it was just like two hours of hunting. and We came back, they burned the whole island down. I said, y'all can't be trusted. <laughs> I remember
1: that. That was funny that as was hell. That was
0: funny, man. That was awesome. I, I remember... Uh... At the time, I was kind of mad. But then I was like, alright, this is just good memories. I'm not going be mad.
1: I remember the first night, that, that first night of that weekend, we pulled up and I had a deer roast and we were trying to figure out how to cook it and we dug a hole in the ground <laughs> and, and threw coals in a fire pit, wrapped it in aluminum foil. That that was a damn good deer roast. Yeah, it too. was, it was good. I think I've been like a camp chef since yeah. my beginning of my duck hunting career. Like I've always been that guy that like, I want to cook for everybody.
0: Yeah, I've always been the midday napper. Come on for the morning hunt. I'm napping. You can count on that. You can count, Just like the sun rising in the east, Nathan's going to be napping for lunchtime, baby. Oh, yeah. I, I fill up on fudge rounds, and I'll be gone for about two hours. That's a good topic. What? Doug Blind snack? What's
1: your favorite Doug Blond snack?
0: <laughs> All right. My favorite Doug Blind snack got to be a fudge round. I got to have my fudge rounds. Uh, let's see. I also got to have some kind of energy drink, whether it be a bang or monster or something. I got to have it. Um but yeah, fudge round. Gotta have a fudge round. Or a honey bun, one or the other. Honey bun though. Might get the Hershey squirts by about nine o'clock. But you know, fudge
1: round. See, we're on two different realms over here. I'm a I'm OG Christmas tree.
0: You gotta have the trimmer
1: tree? The Christmas tree is where it's at, dude. Yeah. Like that salty and sweet. Oh god.
0: You like salty and sweet stuff? Yes. Have you ever had the Reese's with pretzels in it? Yeah. Delicious. Yeah. Delicious. I
1: know you've seen me tear up that payday bar today I That's did see that says yeah. salty and sweet.
0: Yeah, we left Academy today, y'all. This dude had a payday for about two seconds. And it was <laughs> gone. <laughs> it turned, as soon as we turned out the parking lot, the payday was gone. All <laughs> oh, was left was the paper.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like the Christmas trees. And then we found these things last year. They're cereal bars. And Captain Crunch cereal bar. Dude, Good. if you've never tried it, it yeah, changed your life.
0: Never had it. You oh got to try it. God. Oh my god, do you ever cook in a duck blind like Absolutely. with a propane stove and all that? Dude, we've cooked legit five
1: star meals in the duck blind. <laughs> I'm talking New York enough. strips and eggs.
0: Yeah, that's that's the that's the benefit of hunting out the boat. Mm-hmm. That's something I just don't do a lot because I'm hunting out the pier all a lot, you know. But if I hunted out of a boat, I'd do some cooking.
1: Oh, I guarantee it. Yeah. It's not an all the time thing. It's kind of like a. Open a morning thing, or there is days that like we we prepare for it or whatever. Like last year, we had one morning breakfast. We uh we had um I think what was some Hawaiian rolls or whatever. We warmed up with some some little small boudin links mm. with some eggs.
0: That sounds good.
1: The only problem is, is you gonna get them pains during that duck hunt. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's gonna have to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: That's always the thing about those big
1: breakfasts. Oh, that it's line. it's nice though. Yeah. It kills time too. Yeah.
0: <sighs> Especially when you're, you know, getting out there you know early in the morning and you're having to wait for that shooting light trying to beat the crowd. You gotta have something to do. Yeah.
1: yeah. I can't ever
0: get a good nap in before daylight. I just You always cooking. Can't even sleep. Oh, you always that excited? Always. Oh, I sleep me. I sleep. I'm waiting got, on shooting light. I, I always go to sleep.
1: I haven't gotten to that point yet, where I'm. Relaxed. It's not that I'm
0: that, that, you know less excited or anything. It's just I can I can find a way to sleep.
1: I swear to God, time. last year I went on forty-eight hours of no sleep before mm. before opening day. it because you were that excited. Just that excited. I can't take it.
0: Yeah, you ate up with it, dude. Oh, it's it's terrible. Yeah. It's really terrible. I'm sorry I did that to you, by the way.
1: Yeah. I used to get sleep when I was a deer hunter.
0: (laughs) Yeah. See, I'm sorry, dude. I I didn't know I was going to do this to you whenever I took you hunting that day.
1: I didn't either.
0: (laughs) I had no idea you were going to get to this point, but I don't know too many people that want it as much as you do.
1: It's crazy, because I can explain this, and, like, the only people that can understand me is a drug addict. (laughs) They understand and relate. Yeah. Like, yeah, my, my whole life changed, and it's been hell since. That's yeah. <laughs> about. It's it's ran me ragged, man.
0: Do you think you have an addictive personality, like your addictive trait, like that gene? Not really. Well, I hope not. But I'm, just, you know, if that if not, it's a good thing. Like
1: I I, I I'm not an alcoholic. I enjoy my beers and and my nights with the with the guys. You know, that kind of goes hand in hand with duck hunting. Um, but, um, I don't know, man. Deer hunting just don't do it for me like ducks.
0: Yeah. Nothing wrong with that, man. Everybody got what they like, you know? I agree. Deer hunting doesn't do it for me, you know? It it just, I like deer hunting, don't get me wrong. I do. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially the kind of deer hunting that, like, I think we're going to be bringing to the channel. Uh, Hopefully this year we're able to do it. But I think Gary's going to start taking a camera with him to do those marsh deer hunts. And
1: that's that's tough in itself.
0: Well, what he does is he'll get out there and walk with the wind in his face on those hard cold front days, and he'll walk right up on the deer, like 10 feet, and shoot him. No kidding. Yeah, he walks right up on him. They have no idea he's there with that wind blowing in his face, the deer are upwind. So, dude, he literally just walks right up on him, puts the gun to him, and shoots him.
1: That's, that's dude, you incredible. You know how
0: insane these videos are going to be? He yeah. killed like five deer last year doing that. No kidding. Yeah. That's incredible. Just right here in our local marshes. On these management areas. That's on awesome. On public land. Yeah. So that is exciting. Don't get me wrong. That, that kind of hunting, uh, that excites me a bit. But it still don't do it like, like duck hunting for me.
1: No. It doesn't have the full circle effect for me. No. There's just something about that mystery of duck hunting. Duck hunting is like that song. I don't know if I can say a song or is, can you say that, a What's song, that? The Foul Life?
0: Oh, yeah. yeah like, okay. the,
1: the way that song's described, the the broken white lines, you know, you running through the night, your, your old lady ain't with you, but you know, she knows that this is really what you want to do, mm-hmm. you know, it's your passion. Yeah. And, and you just, you give up so much for duck hunting, you really do, like, so much time and
0: stuff, and, I mean sleep so much debt (laughs) every year after duck season i think i got more wrinkles oh yeah as i go look in the mirror and i'm like i don't think i had that before the season started yeah it takes a little out of you you know and like i said every year at the end of the season i'm kind of like glad it's over but then about three weeks later i'm like man i'm ready for it to be back right i know it love it man but yeah yeah, dude i guess we'll, we'll wrap this thing up we've been going for a while now we got to be going, like, two and a half hours on this thing. So, yeah, man, I appreciate you for doing this. No, I Sitting appreciate the invite. Podcast. Man, it's no problem at all, man. Anytime. Anytime. Yep. But everybody listening, um, do you have any social media you want to plug or anything like that? What's your, you got Instagram or anything or or yeah. Snapchat, whatever you want to plug? I don't know. Oh, God. Listen, I don't know. send no, snap- Snapchat. No, okay, well, you can mean if you got an Instagram or something.
1: Um, my Instagram is Little Easy four thirty seven and it's easy with two Zs, And as that. Um I have a TikTok too. And I have a lot of duck hunting stuff on there. What they'll allow you to post, you know. Yeah, what they'll <laughs> allow me to post. And that one's Eric Punch one sixty. Got some frogging on there, some duck hunting, some fishing.
0: Yeah. So. If y'all want to see Eric punch on Fallen Tide TV, just go to that frogging video that we did. That was me and Eric doing that frogging video. He was the one driving the boat. But uh, but yeah. Um, yeah, what, what we're going to be doing to so everybody listening. So, Fallen Tide podcast is, you know, we do have like a studio podcast like this, which really ain't a studio. We're really just sitting in my living room. <laughs> but uh, we're also, during the duck season and also the teal season, where we, we'll be doing the Waiting for Daylight podcast again. Uh, something that we do every year and we'll continue to do where we'll actually be making a podcast waiting for daylight in the duck blind so uh so yeah guys be looking forward to that and uh, appreciate y'all for listening we'll catch y'all next time on the next and tide podcast y'all take it easy